0: Mom, I'm trying to do a podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Human Reaction, your weekly source for independent commentary on news, politics, and culture, where it is always our mission to arm you with the tools that you need to cut through media misdirection and resist the mono narrative. My name is Joe Sheehan. I'm coming to you today from Washington State. And uh, today to talk about a long list of very interesting topics, I've got my co-hosts David Rand and Kyle Mack back at the studio in Bozeman. We've got a long list of interesting things to talk about today. Uh, First up, the Proud Boys leader Enrique Tarrio has been sentenced to 22 years in prison for planning January 6th. We're going to get into the details of that story. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken has promised another billion dollars to our favorite charity, Ukraine. And Elon threatens to sue the Anti-Defamation League for, wait for it, defamation. Let's get into it. David Rand, Kyle Mack, how are you boys?
1: Doing great. Just wondering how you're doing in Chaz, right? The (laughs) Independent Republic of Chaz?
0: Chad I'm as I'm as close to Chaz as I have been in quite a long time um, I, I have not been able to breach the borders just yet but <laughs> I am going to go to a Mariners game next week so we'll we'll, we'll get an on-the-ground report of the latest from the communist republic of Seattle I'll let you know
2: do, do you need a passport to go into Chaz like it's a different it's in a, its own autonomous zone right
0: there are checkpoints yeah uh, I'm not exactly sure what the credentials necessary are but I'm pretty sure they will have some record of this podcast and I'll be executed immediately
1: I you'll, you'll, you'll be put in the firing line, but that might be how we get on the map—is where you are hitting camera into Chaz. Um, yeah. Joe,
2: you got to do it for the do it for the show, buddy. I will them. do
0: it for the lulls and for the team. <laughs> I, I, Everything is content. <laughs> <laughs> ah,
1: the lulls.
0: Oh yeah, classic the lulls. Do it for them. Uh, so, what's the deal with the Proud Boys leader Enrique Tarrio getting sentenced to 22 years? in prison for planning January 6th. As I understand it, he wasn't even there. Is that right?
1: That's been the refrain, right? Everyone's saying, oh, he wasn't even there, but that doesn't really make a lot of sense when you look at the actual charges. He wasn't physically there, but rather they believe that he, was, he conducted a conspiracy to commit violence at the Capitol, that it was planned by him. He couldn't be there, to be clear, because the dude stole a flag, a BLM flag, off a church and burned it. So theft and
0: arson. Basically, so he was he was dead. he in jail at this time then?
1: No, 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 no. He was just forbidden from going into DC. It was illegal for him to go into DC. Uh, and um he was pretty much stuck in Baltimore at the time. So this the entire thing has everything to do with his social media posts and his private messages to Twitter groups. So to kind of remind everybody, January 6th, bunch of violence happens at the Capitol. Not all of it was violent. It's a very complicated story with thousands of people. Uh, there's a ton of background evidence for people to remember. There's like a bug floating in my face right now. <laughs> like it just keeps on going right in front. Right what the heck? Sorry. And um, now you sent it my way. Yeah. <laughs> so the the argument here is, and what he's, why it's such a long sentence, is that he was attempting to influence the government with coercion slash harassment, the peaceful transition of power. So the question is is what was january 6th the january 6th riot's intent was to forcibly block the peaceful transfer of power or was it a bunch of people who got a free tour around the Capitol? right that's how the internet's discussing this right now it's a little bit of both and it really depends on how you read motive how you read like the intent of a lot of these people uh and i think obviously both sides have a good case here Uh, uniquely so uh, for the left, I think, uh, when it comes to this, because if you get into the details of his actual messages and what he said at the time, they're pretty pretty damning, right? Uh, But there's no overt, straight up, we're here to overthrow the government of the United States, right? Do you have any
0: examples of, of his statements that he made and what's so damning about them?
1: Basically he didn't say no, don't do that, as everyone was reporting what they were doing that was violent and illegal. And then he said do it again after it was over and celebratory like I'm not sorry this happened, right? This is people who stole the election, that you know, all that kind of stuff. Um there's no direct evidence from what we have released. Like so for example, there's a great Washington Post like timeline that really shows exactly when happened when, if you're on the other side of the paywall. I apologized to everyone because I had to get on the other side of the paywall so I could get what the heck was going on because I could not find publicly released evidence anywhere of what this was actually found on. So the, without the direct evidence of like him saying, hey, we're going to invade the Capitol, what happened was he is in this situation where they stipulate that he did these things in non-recorded conversations uh, with other members who also have been prosecuted. And gotten, I mean, for example, the Oath Keepers guy, he got like 15 years or 13 years or something like that. Uh, they have video of those two meeting, right? And they say that he discussed this then, but he there's no recording of that. There's no hard evidence of that. Um so the question is 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 given the weakness of the case, is this out of proportion, right? There's no doubt that he didn't say, Hey, be peaceful at the Capitol. He didn't do that. We don't have any evidence that he did. He says he regrets what he did, what, what happened. After he's been prosecuted to this degree and he's looking at the bar- down the barrel of 20 years of prison. Sure. Um, and some more background information. Over 1,000 people have been charged with uh, in connection to January 6th at the Capitol riot crimes. And some Roughly of them, of whom,
0: right, who didn't even go in the Capitol at all to begin with.
1: Right. But it, keep in mind, too, some of this stuff was, I mean, if you're at, at the barrier and you're knocking over a police officer to enter into the, just the grounds, that is illegal. That's trespassing, right? So, I mean, there's a lot of, like, uh, tu quoque, right? But you did this in this space. There's a lot of, like, but, you know, proportion to other things. But it's important to keep in mind that the government's going to protect the government first, right? I mean, just being smart. The government cares way way more about the security of the Capitol building than it does about Starbucks. For the same reason that you're more interested in the security of your house than you are about Starbucks. So the, you know the the whole online discourse here has been completely manipulated has been just is really low level really shallow. Um, I don't think the guy deserves twenty years. Uh, I think this is very extreme considering the amount of evidence they have. They are accusing him of trying to overthrow the government. He never had the capability to do so. That said, their case that he had the motive to do so. Is okay, but the 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 case that he tried to is weak. Right. All they have is that he was the leader of an organization who happened to have some people be involved with this riot at the Capitol building.
0: Now, so, what's, what's the story yeah. about because there's there's some speculation that he was an FBI informant, though. He, right? He was,
1: well. but not after 2014, probably. Uh, or at least that there was a 2014 transcript that said that he was involved in a whole bunch of stuff with the FBI as an informant, like reporting on girl ops, some stuff with human trafficking, things like that out of Florida. Uh, but if I uh, everything I'm reading, I couldn't find anything. And there were several reports that said it, the relationship pretty much in sometime between 2014 and
0: 2016. So at the point that Jan 6 happens, he's no longer... Technically involved with the FBI, although you, I guess I right. suppose you can't be certain about that at this point. Yeah,
1: well, and there's a lot of people in the intelligence community will tell you you never stop being an intelligence asset once you're an intelligence asset. That said, you know, I mean, it's possible that he said no, take a hike, and they didn't have anything on him at that point, and they screwed up. I mean, that that can happen. It's theoretically
2: well, it's also interesting because he was not like the original leader. Like, like, he became leader much later on he's not like the original leader too so there could be an element of him working his way up to kind of get into that position sure. right especially after Gavin McGinnis uh, kind of left the organization. Because if people don't know, the Proud Boys originally were started as like a complete joke on a on a podcast, on like a radio show by Gavin McGinnis and um, and Anthony Cumia and a bunch of people at kind of that network over there. And it was entirely just a joke of them putting a fraternity together and just kind of memeing. Hmm. And, then, and then it turned into something much later on, and those guys kind of left it because they didn't like where it was headed.
1: Right, right. Um, so he became the leader, Torio became the leader in 2018. Right. So he's been yeah. leader for a minute by, the, you know, 2 years by 2020. Yeah, because it, it was formed in like
2: 2015 or something if I remember right. Right. It was, it was during so the, the, ret- the presidential election.
0: The conspiracy flags are going up for me here because okay, we have a former FBI informant who was no longer working for the FBI who and comes goes in as into the leader this of an organization. For years. Yeah, right, yeah. that's going a direction that that the original founders didn't like. He takes the helm and then just a couple of years later plans an insurrection at the Capitol an event where we already have a lot of suspicion around whether or not there were federal agents involved. And we have uh, the FBI on record in front of Congress saying, we can't tell you if there were or weren't FBI informants involved. Mm -hmm. I mean, it it raises some question marks at very least, does it not?
1: Right. Oh, for sure. I mean, the, and it should, Yeah, it should, other than the fact that we don't have, it's, it's, it is also possible that the FBI had a relationship with guy no longer did. And that he still had, he had Republican views, this kind of conservative view on Donald Trump, election election, all that kind of stuff, and wound, found himself in this situation, right? And it's also possible he got there and he just didn't want to basically condemn his buddies and let things happen as a leader that, you know, and the question is, is as a leader, do you have a duty to tell, no, you, you shouldn't do that? Are you legally liable to do that? Like you have a moral duty. Yeah, I, I would, I would subscribe that. But should you go to prison for not saying, hey, don't do that?
0: And, you know and I mean? for not regretting that it happened.
1: Right. That I mean, and not regretting right after the fact, which was another interesting part of the data points. So, yeah. like, for example, like, so, so January 6th, th- there's lots of examples of this. We have thousands of people who are being prosecuted, right? So it's everything from light 14-day sentences to two years, stuff like that. So, like, there's a rioter from Alabama story I found he was shot in the face by a, by a Capitol police, uh, with a riot munition and a, you know, jacked up his face, but he still invaded Congress with a knife. Like the dude had a knife on his hip and rummaged through Ted Cruz's desk while Ted Cruz was hiding in a closet. Right. And like people forget like that for the people at the Capitol, that was like a very crazy moment. Right. Um, that this is, was real stakes for real people. We don't know if that guy – It could have been a crazy person. It could have been, you know, all kinds of things. So – and I don't think Ted Cruz deserved that sort of treatment per se, right? Like he was, I'm sure, just trying to do his job. Um so the the question what
2: sorry i just like looked over at Joe and he's just like
1: <laughs> i mean i don't know wrong, i i i generally what, have what, like what a a call of the state but any particular individual i always want to be like okay let's 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 chill
0: lion ted <laughs> i know i was just thinking lion ted out here doing his job just doing his job folks his, his father was the zodiac killer <laughs>
2: i'm kidding i'm kidding yeah so I no it. no
0: ted cruz was a
2: zodiac killer his dad was the one who assassinated JFK. That's right. That's that was the story.
1: Right. So the other art narrative that came up online was, "What about the George Floyd riots?" Right. And it's important to understand, like these haven't been reported on as much because obviously the media doesn't care about them as much. Well, and uh, yeah, it was it was the same thing as like when I'm thinking
2: of I, I remember in 2016 when Trump was elected and DC was like on fire, right? <laughs> like right. like entire streets were just completely vandalized uh, during the inauguration in the 2016 election, right? right? So like there there is sort of a. What about that can maybe be applied here, right? But,
1: but the question is whether or not it can be. Mm-hmm. There were 10,000 to 17,000 arrests from George Floyd riots that summer. That's a substantial. Clip right. That's a lot of people. Much bigger
2: scale, though, too. Yes, right.
1: And over a longer period of time, over diverse areas with diverse you know jurisdictions on what counts as free speech, right? You know, what they're willing to do. I wish I had the video
2: of the mostly peaceful protest while the fire while the fire is going in the background.
1: wish I had that queued up. One of the things that wasn't reporting on well was that the AP has done analysis on the George Floyd resulting riot charges. They took a sample about 300, ran that through an analysis process, and basically said you know that these for the most part, were a bunch of people rioting, committing arson, and conspiracy to do so, right? And these are all pretty much the same thing that the J6 people also got. But they got the added charge of a terrorism charge added to it, where none of these guys did because they aren't trying to influence the outcome of the election. So there's a sense in which the justification is kind of a silly one, because you have on one side these guys rioting and doing arson and conspiracy to do so and getting punished for it, not all of them, but some of them. Uh, and you have the J six riders who are also getting with the same thing, but because it's the government, they get the added ter- terror war, uh, terrorism charges added to their um, their time. Now, if you're saying wait, these should be the same, I'm open to that idea. But you are now opposing the entire GWAT post nine eleven, you know, legal regime that created these statutes in order to fight Islamic fascism now if you are you know saying with me yeah we shouldn't have those we should have the crime is the crime and there isn't the capital building isn't more sacred than starbucks i'm with you but think for a moment you know that you know that, that that's just not where we're at so comparing them doesn't make a lot of sense it's kind of a silly whataboutism
2: well and, and another whataboutism i guess you could throw in here is what's happened with
1: ray epps and all this right <laughs> so Thank ray you, epps, ray epps you. was also another one of whataboutism mm-hmm. he's being charged Oh, has, is that happening right yep, now? Yep, yep. So found story from, uh, let me see here. What about Ray Epps? Last bullet point there. Western Journal covered that the DOJ is finally charging him. Interesting.
2: Yeah. After he went on his, like, Hollywood tour and everything? Yeah. So
1: Well, because cause no one bought it. I mean, it, was, it was like that tarot. So, yeah, so they, there's two they, they probably right? just, like, threw it away. Right? right, right. So, I mean, like, because they happened, it was like, wait. There are way more videos of Ray Epps saying let's go into the Capitol than there's any information about any of Enrique of these other guys? Yeah. saying go into the Capitol. Although many people actually went in the Capitol, and that's illegal. So they should get punished for that if you believe in the rule of law. Oh, Do we lose you, Joe?
0: No, I'm just reading the story oh. that you posted um, just to see what he's being charged with. Because to me this – I mean, I don't, I don't know yet. I'm, I'm looking for it here. To see it's, exactly it's hilariously what the, what the underreported
2: are. so far. It is like I actually didn't realize it until you said it right yeah. there. Like I was legitimately asking, "What about Ray Epps?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, <right. laughs> I didn't realize you had a whole tab in the notes saying, "What about Ray Epps?" <laughs> That's why
1: you guys got to read the notes.
0: <laughs> the lawsuit did not say what those charges would be. As of Thursday, Epps was not listed in those charges in federal court in Washington D.C. related to the incursion, relating to January 6. So apparently, the charges aren't even public yet. But I mean, right. I don't know. The skeptic in me here is going to say, "Oh, well, they're going to." They're going to get him on like some little thing like, you know, I don't, I don't know, uh, some sort of mischievous behavior or something. And then he'll get a slap on the wrist and he'll get like, go. Oh, unless, of course, the charges actually prove otherwise. But it's sort of similar to the Hunter Biden thing where they're getting him on like some low level stuff. While, like, well, like we've got 10 years in much prison. larger issues going on.
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, if, if I mean, 10 years is a pretty substantial amount of time in prison. Not if right. not if you get unalived in there. <laughs>
2: ten,
0: ten, 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 10 years for who? Penalty. But <laughs> I mean, like, so, who?
1: like, um, yeah, I totally get what you're saying, Joe, and it's understandable that a lot of people are um, skeptical of the judicial system with how it's being politicized with the Trump indictments and all these other things. On the other side of it, like, keep in mind this is a diverse and complicated thing. The judicial system has both the influence of the left and the traditions of the judicial system it has to handle at the same time. This isn't a situation where it's Because it's the state protecting the state, that it's always going to work out in the state's favor or in some anti-right wing way, right? It could very much also wind up being good things that happen out of this too, such as, for example, real justice being done, like Rayups. That said, you're right. We need to be on top of the story and make sure that this actually falls through. Because if 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 I were the if I were the FBI and he was my guy, I would say, hey, we're gonna after after we realize our sixty minutes interview didn't work, I would definitely roll out something that says. We're going to charge this guy and then never actually fall through. Well, I guess one of my
2: questions here is, so this story is from July, actually. Has anything been followed up on this since? I
1: haven't found anything since then.
2: Yeah, so it almost makes me feel like this is that cover. Yeah, and it's not actually happening or something. Like, I've Yeah, that's very strange.
1: But, I mean, keep in mind, government does move very slow. Uh, January 6th was three years ago, right? and we're just now getting to – Enrique's case. So this could take a while to get, before they get around to Ray apps. It is very confusing why they took him off the FBI's list when they were doing the J6 investigations. That said it. it could have been because they knew who he was. Yeah, it's, it's that just, was their excuse, and it's everyone just a very was like, "Why story. is he off the list?" And it was like, "Well, because we know who he is, so he doesn't have to be on the looking for list." It's like, "Well, okay." Yeah, it's, a, it's a just point. a very
2: strange story because, like, I've seen the videos of him getting like up on boxes and telling people to charge into the Capitol, right. and then him going on like a a, a media tour and everybody defending him uh, as like a great
1: hero. Like, I, it, it was very very odd. Are like, you talking about it? the uh, sixty Minutes interview?
2: 60 minutes but also just like the corporate media in general was like praising him throughout the whole thing
0: yeah i want to say the ladies on the view had something to say about it it as well like yeah it was all over the place
1: yeah i remember i remember i don't think we talked about it did we talk about it well this i think this all
2: a lot of this stuff all
1: started happening before the podcast even formed no no i mean with the 60 minutes interview and that 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 whole thing that was this summer Mm, wasn't yeah yeah that was this summer. I feel like it was last summer. Early summer. <laughs> yeah. Really? No, it was – I know. It's weird. It's how, how time is like that. But, no, I mean it, – but it, I'm not saying that he's not an intelligence asset. I think it's I'm, Yeah, I'm not possible. saying he is or isn't. Right. I'm just saying, like, there's very What's up strange with occurrences. There were other right? strange occurrences, and you're not wrong. I'm like, there's a great video, and we, I, I have a link there, Ted Cruz questioning the FBI director about these things. Thomas Massey has consistently been doing the same thing on the House side asking where you've had all these months to confirm who it was and wasn't an FBI asset, how many FBI assets were there, was Ray Adson, an FBI asset. There's another video of a guy. He's wearing a radio, and he has an in-ear piece, and he's breaking a window, and then someone says, don't do that, and he shoves somebody, and he blames it on that person and walks off. Well, Looks like an agent provocateur to me. Yeah, right. no,
2: it was the same thing. I remember exactly where I was when it was all going down. I was sitting in a dentist chair, looking at it all on my phone on Twitter. <laughs> like That's I remember exactly strange. where I was huh. when it when it was all going down, and uh, and I, I remembered watching like live videos of. Black vans pulling or black SUVs like pulling up on the street and people just like jumping out in masks and, and integrating into the crowd and then the van, and then the SUVs going away hmm. and those like I can't even find those anymore like hmm. they were just like scrubbed or something um, but like there, there's a lot of just weird things that happened that day right
1: uh, not not yeah. Yeah, and, and that might have been an organized group of private individuals doing that. Well, yeah, and, and, it and that's been, the thing
2: is that it could be a right. wide swath of things. It could be private individuals. It, it could have be, been the Russians. It, it could be these groups. It could be foreign intelligence. <laughs> it could be. It could be. It could be the CIA. If it could it's be Laura
1: Loomer, other. it would have been the Ukrainians who did it. Yeah, you know, whatever. <laughs> so yeah, I know what you mean. And the other the other bad argument was that well, in twenty seventeen there was also a riot right when when uh, Donald Trump was elected, and so there was like they got one point six million, kind of sort of. Basically, what happened they, is there was a riot. They the rioters. Well, yeah, kind of. That's what they say. It isn't clear where exactly where the money came from. What happened was there was a riot, and then the police didn't obey by their own rules about how to handle riots, and they like pepper-sprayed reporters and stuff like that and they ended up paying $1.6 million uh, to the ACLU and other complaints and things like that. But keep in mind, at that right, 217 people were arrested. Right, It's a lot smaller riot than Jan 6 mm-hmm. in scale. But all of them... All of them had their their uh, their, uh, their basically their charges dropped. At least 129 after the first six, they could not prosecute because they just the government didn't have the evidence. Their government couldn't pull together an actual um, um, charge that would stick to a jury because the first jury acquitted the first six, um, you know, prosecuted individuals. So, now so it, like, this is, is the difference just- too? The people in D.C. are more than willing to tell the Proud Boys, you know, you're going to jail. Well, And, the and they were
2: villainized for years up to this point before this, too. Right. And which which a, I think radicalized them, too.
1: There's a question about the media and the media's treatment of the Proud Boys and how unfair it's been and how that kind of put them in a the position where they've become what they are. Well, like,
2: like, I can't stress enough of how the Proud Boys started as a, as, as a joke right. and then turned into something well, much larger. Let me ask right? you
1: something. So, like, if you were to start a fraternal organization today – and you were to say the goal of this organization is to bring back masculinity, which is what the Proud Boys. Was. How would you guess that mainstream media would treat you? Oh yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. And and it doesn't Eric. help. It it doesn't help that the guy who started it was a comedic figure yeah. that is already somebody that was like in, a devout like Trump follower at the time too, right? Mm. Like which I think that added the the vitriol and made it much more known because you had Gavin McGinnis who was like a very big figure right. who who was just popularizing and making this joke out of it right, right. like he is the founder
1: right. at the end of And the day. he had a huge podcast uh. and he started Vice News and like Gavin McGinnis is well yeah. media well people. and
2: when it, was, it happened on count, the compound network and it's Anthony Cumia who's also a major figure Op, mm. Opie Anthony like was a big thing back in the day right mm. like you, you have these big figures and then and it's it's based out of New York which is where like all the medias operating. so like it's this whole thing right, right. and then you have of them showing up at events to essentially protect conservative speakers because antifa was coming in and trying to cause riots at events and then so it becomes this thing where it's antagonistic against each other so you have proud boys versus antifa because you know ben shapiro sho- shows up in an event or whatever or any conservative right wing fi- figure or milo Yiannopoulos or whatever there's been right. a bunch of these things and then you have this antagonistic force because the proud boys
1: are trying to like stop antifa right right it was an interesting moment right 2016 and 2020 were very strange times Strange. I think yeah. we're going to see the same thing in 2024, where the amount of political violence was enormous. Um, and you're right; there was a, there were moments where it's like, oh, there's going to be a right wing event, and you knew Antifa was going to show up, and you knew the Proud Boys going to show up, and they're going to fight each other,
3: mm-hmm. and it was
1: just blood sport. Watching on Twitter to see what. Interesting things would happen. Yeah, like it was a very strange like internet consumer culture around it too.
2: Like I, I remember, I remember the Yal girl, Young Americans for Liberty, that was at one of these events that got hit by someone because she was wearing a Make Bit- Bitcoin Great Again mm-hmm. hat, and it was so it like looked like the MAGA hat, right? right. And some Antifa person came and hit her mm-hmm. um, at the event, and then it, it sparked a whole brawl, <laughs> um, right. which I believe was Proud Boys versus Antifa at the time. Um, so yeah, like like yeah, it's it's very easy to forget all these the context of all this stuff because it has been seven years since that happened. Right.
1: Yeah. So my, my point was, was that there, there is an unfairness fundamentally here, right? Entirely. There's a, there's a bias against conservatives and the right wing in Washington, DC. If you're surprised by that, you don't know anything about Washington, DC <laughs> and how it's like a plus 20 district for Democrats and progressives. Right. That's not totally surprising. So the, 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 the at the end of the day, there isn't a final lesson here other than, if you're going to protest, I recommend you protest peacefully. If antifa shows up, you record them hitting you and you not hitting back. Why? Because non-violent protest is the way to integrate our philosophy of peace and liberty with free freedom of speech and our values as, you know, people who 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 want to see a free society, who aren't looking for a a brawl to prove your masculinity that's the thing i disagree about with uh the um the proud boys is part of their ethos is that you're not a man until you've been to a in, a, in a, into a street fight but right. here's, yeah, here's
2: also the thing is like that has happened there's a there's a known figure within conservative media that has been beaten up probably like three different times now and hospitalized right andy no right and how many people actually know about andy no and have shown that these things have happened sure and for context he's not like a white nationalist guy, right? right. Like, which is what they try to frame these. He's he's a gay Asian dude, right? right, <laughs> like, right, right. right? like that's a.
1: But that's a, that's the thing is like he, I'm not saying Andy No went out to try to do that, right? I, or but
2: he's recorded people beating him in yes. the exact same way that you're talking. Yes, about, and
1: he, right? he made a whole career out of and, that. And, and it's just
2: like how how useful has it actually been? Well, to
1: once again, do like there's that. a difference between if the thought experiment I'm giving Kyle isn't be Andy Noe doing that on your own. My thought experiment is if the Proud Boys had been. A We are pro-peace, we are non-violent, and these violent Antifa thugs are going to come hit us and we are not going to hit them back. Then we're going to stand together and, let, and, and basically say, no, we're not going to let that happen in order to have regular right-wing speakers talk. Now, I'm not suggesting we defend, what was that, the, not the Punch a Nazi guy? Remember that guy? What was he from Whitefish? um richard spencer oh yeah richard spencer yeah i'm not suggesting we need to defend that guy screw that guy i'm just saying when normal people (laughs) want to do normal american speech the best response is (laughs) nonviolence. although i i do do remember a ton of
2: people in in the kind of libertarian space when richard spencer was a thing is that they would totally punch the nazi and and they were trying to like scream him down and trying to get into fights with him i remember this all happening too
1: well and a lot of the hoppians got in trouble back then all that kind of stuff too but i'm I'm, it was like
2: jeffrey tucker and people like that it was like
1: yeah <laughs> right sure but on the other side of it yeah. like i get it i think his views are repulsive i would love to debate the guy if he was culturally relevant but he's not anymore so uh, who cares yeah.
2: but he he was he was for a time because and, the press and, wanted debate make no, him well, for a foil <laughs> but 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 what i'm saying here is like there was a an element of like we shouldn't debate him we shouldn't platform him from form him type of mentality and now all those people that are saying i would debate him were the exact people saying that you shouldn't give him a platform you shouldn't debate well, him back l- in the day let too, me be right? clear like i would only want to debate. i'm him just saying there's not a lot platform. of hypocrisy around on
1: it. the other side of it well it's also hypocritical to say we should platform a guy who shouldn't have any attention paid to him because his views are niche and they're only getting the attention they are because the press wants to set up the entire right wing to have richard spencer's views so you're playing into your enemy's hands
2: mm-hmm Maybe, maybe, maybe something like that. Right.
1: I mean, it's just, I get it. I, I, don't know, I, I
2: don't know, like, right now, because, like, Richard Spencer has been making a comeback, and he's been making a comeback on the left, interestingly enough. Really? I he's know he's been that. showing up in, like, left-wing internet spaces lately. <laughs> <laughs> like, and, and well, like, yeah. basically saying that he's denouncing Trump yeah. and, and and that he's always been a socialist, because he has always been a socialist. Yeah, oh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That's he, Like One of the things I'd love to debate him about. Yeah, national yeah. socialism is yeah. kind of his thing, right? <laughs>
1: like, so he's, he's yeah. go, finally gone um, home to the left, yeah. where socialism belongs. Anyways, there we go. That's uh, that's Richard what's going Spencer on there. Richard Spencer
0: disavowed white nationalism after being spotted on Bumble, describing himself as a moderate. Report says. So oh, he's man. moderate. For some reason,
1: now. I thought he was married. Wasn't he married? Like yes. a Family and stuff.
0: I'm pretty sure he is.
1: Oh, but I guess he's on Bumble. now.
0: He's on Bumble. Oh, maybe maybe he's, maybe he's no longer married.
1: Well. It
2: can't I I, I, married I actually I actually him. listened fairly recently to a, to a debate between him and Destiny, which was interesting. Oh Jesus. <laughs>
1: Well, anyways, so Speaking that's of, that. I, I, I don't think there's the, the, the right wing, I don't think, should definitely be coming out saying this is a thing where this guy is a victim of the government and all that kind of stuff. He could have used his voice to say it is dumb to try to overthrow an election by occupying the Capitol.
0: Do you really think that well, that, do you really think that, that would make a difference here, though? I mean, because, like, yeah, in Trump's case, he did actually say be peaceful. And yet he's still being dragged across the coals for inciting an insurrection, right? Do you think right. the founder of Proud Boys saying, hey, go be peaceful, you know, would actually change the outcome here? No.
2: Would, There's too many provocateurs involved in all this stuff. Like, would, it, w- it wouldn't change anything.
0: Would they have indicted? Probably.
1: Would they have been able to secure the conviction? Less likely.
0: Fair. I guess because, that is I mean, the difference. I mean, Trump has yet to it, actually be charged for these things. Right. So he has been true. charged, but not, well, not convicted. convicted. Right. Yes. But right. Thank you. Yeah. So,
1: like, will he be convicted? I mean, for the uh, Jan 6 thing, I think that's the weakest case personally, uh, just looking at the merits of it. But the um, the Georgia case could be real. I don't know. That could, that could actually be a real threat.
0: If you are a small business owner looking for exponential growth, you have to connect with Adam Thune at Intellectual Patriots. He will revolutionize your business game and help you get to the next level. Adam can streamline your business practices and advertising strategies to improve your bottom line. His expertise in data engineering means he can build you the systems you need to collect and analyze market data. His mission is to provide you with invaluable insights to fuel your success. From grant writing and business proposals to digital systems integrations, even AI management. Intellectual Patriots is a one stop shop for cutting edge solutions. Don't wait another second. Visit Intelpatriots.com to learn more. That's I N T E L Patriots.com. I'm gonna switch gears for us here because I wanna I wanna to get to um, what happened with Secretary of State Anthony Blinken pledging an additional billion dollars. Just a casual bill to uh, to Ukraine Wednesday uh, during his visit to to Kiev. Now Am I reading this correctly? He touts the success of the uh, of the um, the offensive. You know, Ukraine recapturing half of the territory it lost a year before. He's touting the, the success of Ukraine's uh, battle you, you, going on. You
2: have to over you have to overplay how things are going so you get a bigger investment.
0: That's right, the- right.
1: <laughs> well, also also they've staked a tremendous amount on this offensive. Like they really thought that the promises were true that this offensive would pull off and they'd push Russia back to its original borders and then they'd be able to wrap this thing up before the election.
0: Now, when you say they they believe the promises were true, the promises of Zelensky saying things are going well, those Yeah, promises? and the other
1: people around the defense industry that were all claiming all, uh, it's funny because all winter, these guys were all claiming in the spring, in the spring, in the spring, and then the spring came like, well, you know, it's a little delayed for reasons, but in the summer- spring offensive. They kept the name. And now that it's August, it's become, you know, a very different situation where, I mean, there's no doubt that there are, have been certain areas where Ukraine's been able to push back, but it has not been anywhere near what the original promises were. And they're moving the goalposts and they're trying to create a new impression about the whole thing as they seek additional funding. So Biden, you know, just last month asked for another $24 billion, right? Well, Blinken is in there right now saying, well, we'll get another billion, even though Congress has to approve this. Uh, First, and Congress probably doesn't want to because this whole thing has gone underwater, right? We're now at 55 oppose, uh, 45 support uh, funding in Ukraine with 10% as usual, unsure, undecided. So across the
0: U.S., 55% of the public now oppose the conflict in Ukraine.
1: Oppose um, the U.S. involvement.
0: U.S. involvement, yeah. And you
1: have to imagine that that
2: number's much higher just within like GOP voters. So it's interesting to see how there's only two candidates in the field that are actually being an active anti-funding
1: Ukraine war stance. Well, that's um, because what, what matters isn't necessarily just your stance. It's the money to get the word out about your stance, mm-hmm. which is fundamentally what the calculation is of the neocons in this.
2: Well, area. I, I, yeah, I like, I would just be curious to see what these numbers are like based party based of like consistent voters. Mm-hmm. Um, because I would be curious to see how much is actually how much Democrats actually have support for it um, versus how much Republicans actually have support. Because I have to imagine it's probably like 80% opposed
1: in the Republican Party now. Yeah, so th- this is so. interesting because like a month ago, Seymour Hirsch came out with a – I know, I'm like this huge fan of Seymour yeah, Hirsch. Here. So sorry, guys. But uh, the, the guy is just totally captured my imagination. He came out with a sub stack basically saying, hey, here's an update. And this was all written in July. And he said the spring offensive was planned to be so successful that by now they'd be suing for peace with Russia completely knocked back to its borders and Ukraine getting back to its territorial and sovereignty and Russia being overthrown. And there would be the new, you know, Wilsonian French Paris peace accords to set the new stage for the new future of the global world. And that the CIA was telling him back then, back in the spring, no, this isn't going to work. Like this, the offensive is not going to work. And that it was all just a scam by Zelensky to get more funds so that he could put it, pump it into the black markets so that he could be more, come more wealthy.
2: Yeah, Seymour Hirsch and uh, General Douglas McGregor have both been excellent on this. Because Douglas McGregor a year ago was also saying the same thing of like, no, it's not going well. Like yeah. it's, it's actually just not going well. It's all a lie about it.
1: Um, and we got the intelligence reform from the Minecraft server leak, remember, <laughs> yeah. basically claim, claiming exactly this, that, that the entire war statistics in the domestic media has not been as accurate as that we would assume, and that we should be very skeptical about the mainstream narrative about these things. In this thing, he also said that in Victoria Newland, uh, and if you remember Victoria Newland from the 20, 2014 Ultra Hawk. Victoria Newland, who was there in 2014 to overthrow the Ukrainian government and why we're in the situation where we're in the first place, she got a promotion this summer and is now in Nigeria uh, doing her work in Niger uh, to create a new relationship with the new dictators of Niger. Now, what's interesting about that is France was the colonial power of Niger. France now is completely dependent upon Niger. About three-quarters of their nuclear uranium comes from Niger. Right, the uranium that they use for their nuclear power plants that powers all of the industry in France. So Nigeria also has a new pipeline being built from Nigeria, who has natural gas, all the way up to Europe. Um, and interesting too is uh, Senator Rand
2: Paul just actually tweeted out an article that was uh, why do we still have troops in Niger too?
1: Right, which is interesting, right? Cause we have one thousand five hundred troops in in Niger, which we've had pretty much since the passage of the Patriot Act. One
2: thousand sixteen, get it right, Dave. Oh, I, thought, <laughs> I read one thousand
1: five hundred. Uh, this article from Rand is yeah, says that. Uh, well, she, but I mean, more than twenty years of us having just having troops in Niger. Now, okay, so the okay the existing argument against the GWAT, the global war on terror, was that after 9-11, the neocons used this as a platform to say, we are now going to be a world empire, and we're going to secure this for the future of democracy, and centrally plan the security of the world, not by saying, oh, we have to fight the USSR, we have to have a new cause, and that was Islamic terrorism, and they hate us for our freedom. So when that happened, there was a particular push to create new centers of command control for each continent. Including Africa. In Africa, it was Nigeria and other areas in Northern Africa and like Egypt and stuff like that, where we at the time we had allies. We don't have, it's not the same relationship now that we could actually leverage to project power to Africa. So that's why we still have (laughs) 1,016 troops in Nigeria. And this current situation where only like last year, maybe two years ago, a couple soldiers were, you know, were ambushed and killed uh, because of you know, our presence there. And that's our standard model for terrorism, right? What, what, why, why does terrorism happen? Well, if you look at ready or um, dying to, dying to win? Yeah, dying to win. Dying to win. Yeah. It is always the same case in every situation everywhere. It is when you have a low tech, low prosperity, low, uh, very poor population being occupied by a high tech, you know, remote power. And then, then they result to suicide terrorism, specifically, in order to in in other terrorist tactics to fight that power, right? And that's where that's that's that is the origin of terrorism everywhere, all the time. And if you haven't read a die the Wind, you definitely need to check it out.
2: It is interesting too, is like how underreported everything in Africa um, is, because much of our foreign policy is actually just us looting Africa um, right now. And it, it is just interesting, as like the Middle East gets a lot of coverage. Ukraine gets a lot of coverage, and like, then we'll every now and get, then get these articles of like, of like a senator being like, "I didn't even know we had troops in Niger. <laughs> you know, like, right. like that type of stuff. It's, right. It is interesting how, I mean, South America is the same way. Like, we, we do a lot of uh, intelligence operations throughout South America, and I, I know people that have been a part of it, and it's like nothing's talked about there ever it's just it's not covered at all it was often
1: the problem in, in foreign policy it's like that keyhole problem right you see things with such narrow bandwidth that it isn't until something becomes a major crisis that you actually end up discovering oh wow we've had troops here forever yeah
2: like like there was that there was an instance like a year ago i remember where it was like four troops had died in some african country and it was one of those things where it became a big uproar for like eight hours maybe on the news of being like, and then you have like Rand Paul coming up. who's like, why do we have troops here? And then, and then, uh, you know, some big Republican officials like, I didn't even know we were there. (laughs) And you're like, you voted for it. Right. (laughs)
1: Well, Rand Paul wasn't a part of the time. um, But yeah, but yeah, exactly. There's, there's a, I'm
2: not not saying Rand Paul didn't know. I'm saying like, you had like big neocon types that would come out. Right. Um, like his name is escaping to me. The, The, uh, what is his name? Lindsey Graham. Lindsey it was Graham. Lindsey Graham that came out and was just like, I didn't even know we're there. And he'd like voted on it. And oh. <laughs> like, <laughs>
1: now, if Lindsey Graham is not aware of where we're at, he's, he was part of the gang of eight. Jeez, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, the the real question that we're going from here is that the US foreign policy has fallen apart on so many levels. The question is, Is can Biden hold it together? This team of three that he's currently completely reliant on, can they hold it together in time to either be reelected or be replaced? Uh, because it is currently a, a state of absolute chaos.
0: This episode is brought to you by our friends at Zesty Beverages. They're on a mission to unf*** the standard American diet by crafting drinks with fewer calories and more nutrients from real food. Their lineup of delicious offerings now includes Electric Peak Yerba Mate, postbiotic sodas, Keto-friendly, ready-to-drink margaritas, and hard teas. Wondering what a postbiotic soda is? Well, head on over to ZestyBev.com to learn more and find a retailer near you. Once again, check them out online at ZestyBev.com. That's Z-E-S-T-Y-B-E-V.com. So, shifting gears here. We all know that when Elon Musk took over Twitter, which is now known as X, the company's ad revenue like went through the floor. And it it all revolved around this idea that that Twitter, because it was becoming more of a free speech platform, was going to be this like safe harbor for hate speech, right? And I mean, I I don't know exactly like the details of the situation, but it, from the from what it sounds like, Elon Musk is is now threatening to sue the Anti Defamation League, the ADL, uh, for their involvement in campaigns that directly targeted Twitter's advertisers at the time to try to pressure them to drop their advertising on Twitter to hurt Twitter. Uh am I understanding this right you guys?
2: Yeah, pretty much. Um that, that is the big thing is he's he's saying that the ADL and similar organizations but mostly the ADL could be anywhere like responsible for 5 to 50% of their revenue loss. Um <laughs> at pretty much any given time where these these massive uh um dips that come in because of some sort of controversy. And this this most recent one is anti-Semitism, you know, and that's
1: just one of those magic words that gets thrown around all the time, right, to hit your enemies with. Well, even more so hate speech, right? Mm -hmm. Hate speech is not a thing, to be clear. In America, hate speech is covered by the First Amendment. Mm -hmm. Now, what is defined as hate speech? Well, it's very specifically a term that you can't define. It's the thing that I don't like. It's the thing where someone says something that's offensive that I don't like. Well, what is that? What is that thing? Is there an objective measure? Of course, there's not. It's a thing that people in Silicon Valley don't like. Is that the standard we should use for the whole country or how to run this particular website? I mean, that's it's just absolutely absurd. So the idea that, the, obviously, the ADL, what is their mission and why does their mission mean that necessarily Elon Musk's control of X means more hate speech? And then second, and that's a factual claim. Has it? And there's no evidence to suggest that that's true. And yet they've con- uh, continued this. The argument has been, and to be fair, the ban the ADL actually proceeds as a trending topic on Twitter from this you know lawsuit. Uh, it started on like Monday or Tuesday, and the lawsuit didn't actually get you know kind of threatened until Tuesday or Wednesday. So the the question seems to be. What is the ADL? Are they still what they used to be? So what the ADL used to be, which is, we want to keep another Holocaust from happening, so we're going to call out anti-Semitism. Totally valuable, important mission. Now, like a lot of left-wing groups after the election of Donald Trump, some left-wing groups kind of lost their way. They became a broad, just center-left arm of the Democrat Party rather than sticking to the mission. A good example of that is the ACLU that has spent a little bit less time defending civil liberties of everybody and instead, you know, a different sort of mission that looks a lot more like left-wing activism in lieu of those things. So the, um, the ADL might have been in a similar situation. and the good evidence of that is that the ADL came out and basically said that they opposed the nomination of Kavanaugh based upon the testimony of the lady who said that he was a serial gang graper i have to say the youtube approved word
0: that kind of insanity say graper
1: graper that's that's how you you beat the algorithm you can't can't say the other word so the the obviously on completely specious claims that was vetted by the united states freaking senate for some reason uh and the adl came out and said no yeah we shouldn't we should nominate cabot because that why had nothing to do with anti-Semitism, had nothing to do with any of that sort of stuff. He could, they had no case of where he had said something anti-Semitic, but instead they were, you know, needed to participate in the most recent left-wing cause because that's what a lot of left-wing groups have done in the slush moment, the run, the bull run moment of funding left-wing activism groups after Trump.
2: Well, and here, I, I pulled up some tweets from Elon here where he's talking about, um, uh, in our case, they would potentially be on the hook for destroying half the value of the company, so roughly $22 billion. And then later on, he says, um, giving them maximum benefit of the doubt, I don't see any scenario where they're responsible for less than 10% of the value destruction, so so approximately $4 billion. So he's he's basically saying the most conservative estimate would be about $4 billion, he believes that they've... Um, actively destroyed. But a lot of this comes from, like, he's talked to advertisers, and the advertisers have directly told him, some of them have, that it's due to pressure because a a lot of the advertising uh dollars that they send to places like Twitter or Facebook or any of these places, they're kind of looking for it's like low risk, low controversy uh type of advertising. So as soon as there's some sort of weird controversy that comes in, which is just pushed by whatever group is trying to push controversy and it's it's very much a consorted effort, right? Um, then they pull out and then that actively destroys revenue, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, I actually have a I I have a clip here that I found interesting if we want to play it. Um, It's from the All In podcast. I I found Chamath Palahapitiya's uh, comments on this to be very interesting. And I think it actually speaks to a much broader what is going on here than just like there's anti-Semitism or, you know, like it, it speaks much more of like the larger picture of this all right here.
3: When Elon bought Twitter what effectively happened is the biggest psyops organization for the Democratic Party was taken away from them. And I think that they are increasingly feeling like if it really does, if Twitter or X becomes a town square, that's really bad for them. And so they can't shape people. They can't amplify the victimization. They can't amplify the government's going to save you narratives. And so this is the sort of death by a thousand cuts approach that the blob has of trying to bring him down. And so you see a DOJ lawsuit over here. It's, you know, nominal, but whatever. Then you're going to see you know the SEC investigation over $50,000 of glass. I mean, the guy is worth a quarter of a trillion dollars and we're sweating the $50,000 glass purchase. But the point is the goal is to tie him up and to distract him and to basically take resources away, his mind share from working.
0: I think you're exactly right about what's motivating this and what's going on. But I'll tell you when it all began is that Biden had a press conference where he said that Elon needed to be looked at. Do you remember this?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And specifically,
0: Biden said, well, I, I don't know that Elon's done anything wrong, but I think we need to look at his relationships with other countries. So this was the signal to all of the ambitious apparatchiks in our law enforcement agencies who are looking for advancement, that he's the target, go after him, find something. Now, in fact, they couldn't find anything. So they look at his relation with other countries. And what you would expect is that maybe he hired some foreign nationals he shouldn't have, but it was the exact opposite. They didn't hire foreign nationals. So then they make (laughs) that the crime.
1: It is a great point. It is an excellent point. There's no doubt that the dog whistle narrative is a very tenable idea. I mean, we didn't report on it, but there was a lawsuit by, if you missed it last week, there's a lawsuit against Trump, or not, sorry, against Elon for not hiring certain people, and, and it's a whole controversy there. I mean, the idea that the left is trying to get control of Twitter, so they're trying to cut someone by a thousand cuts, this is not a new tactic. We saw exactly the same thing in Alaska with our favorite... Governor Sarah Sarah Palin, Palin. (laughs) where a thousand lawsuits on a million different things that she did—you know, some of them legit, some of them not uh, legit—quite obviously, Uh, we've seen it in other states. Montana, for example, tremendous amount of policy wins from the conservative Republicans challenged in court and just paper cutted to death. Uh, And this could be another one. The ADF being part of that mechanism is not surprising. ADL is not surprising at all for anyone who's been watching them. The Southern Poverty Law Center. And other groups that started out with a noble mission, the ACLU-2, started out with a noble mission to protect civil liberties, to protect the Jewish community, but instead became arms of the Democrat Party and subject to their political incentives. Well, so it's, for, it's
2: important to realize, or uh, Joe, you go ahead because this might transition us a little bit.
0: Well, I'm just curious. Like from, you know, I'm not terribly well-versed in the legal system, but to me, it, this does look like, looking in on it, an abuse of the legal system. Right. I mean, and I think it's we've we've referred to it as lawfare. Right. For people that are looking at this going like this, these organizations aren't living up to their original missions. They are arms of the Democratic Party or whatever, or they are just abusing the legal system to literally inflict harm on on individuals or companies or whatever it is. Is this a legitimate use of the legal system? How do people fight back against this? Because it does take a tremendous amount of capital in this day and age, to defend yourself in court. So what, what is somebody to do if they're to find themselves the subject of, of this kind of tactic and they're not the richest man in the world? Mm-hmm.
1: So the ADL isn't using the legal system, declare. The ADL is using reputation.
0: Sure. They're trying to ruin X's
1: reputation and by proxy... They're trying masks.
2: to defame people. The Anti-Defamation League is trying to defame people and to, to screw up their revenue model.
1: Right, right. In order to put pressure on it so that the left can recapture Twitter. Mm -hmm. or a public square they can control. That argument's an interesting and novel argument. That's a a good argument. Well, and I, I think it's important to realize how
2: important Twitter now X is in the larger picture of idea propagation too. Because like Twitter has never been the biggest social media platform it's always been one of the biggest but it's never been like facebook instagram these but twitter has always been the most important because it's where all the most important conversations with the most important people are so like you know like like facebook is just used for you know you're, you're just hanging you're with your buddies and you're looking at your high school friends like all of this stuff right like that's all it is for instagram's for like pictures and stuff like that like there's not deep idea propagation that's happening twitter is the place where like the politicians the Fortune 500 C- CEOs, the press. All like the press, all, all of these people—all that's where all of this, this, these ideas are conducted here. So, and there was a large swath of time there where, if you started to say certain things, you'd get banned. I was one of them. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, like, but like, and you started to see it with large figures. Like, there was happening across the board, and there was very much a control apparatus that existed under the platform. And this is why it was such a big deal when Elon came through. Like, I remember. When Elon bought Twitter, all, my, all of my friends around me, because they know like I actively use Twitter and I, and I enjoy Twitter and it's my favorite platform for all the social media stuff, um, so many people around me were, were, would say to me, they're like, I heard Twitter's terrible now. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Twitter's better than... I'm allowed on it. <laughs> like Twitter's better than it ever has been. Like like a lot of the problems with it are have become gone and they're adding all these new features now. But there became this narrative that I just saw like normal people in, in my life that were just saying, I hear, I hear it's terrible. I hear, I hear Elon's ruined it. I hear that he cut all the staff and now it's going down. You know, like all these things, like it got propagated into the world, right?
1: Well, I remember Twitter being a terrible place that I had to be like wrangle people into getting into because when they would get on there, what they would get, is a bunch of stuff they disagreed with. Mm-hmm. You get on there, no matter who you followed, you would get a bunch of lefty, progressive stuff. And you're like, there's nothing for me to engage on here. All I want to do is argue with people, and I want to do that. I want to see someone that I like on here with me. And there never was. There never was, because that's how the algorithm was designed. It was an activist organization posing as a tech company. That's an Elon Musk quote after he fired 80% of the staff. So it's, it's a, um, there there's no doubt that there was... Controlled by a, a set of incentives from the left and from the Democrat Party. And, and the now FBI, now as we see in the Twitter files, right? And the intelligence community played a role, although the intelligence community isn't uniform. I'm sure they have some people who are more captured by the Democrats and other people who are more conservative, and it's a diverse, probably. Well, I, I, I don't situation. think it
2: had to do with conservative, conservative versus liberal or Republican versus Democrat. It never was that. It was Trump like, versus like, establishment. Well, it's not even just Trump. It was like. Anti-establishment people in general, like there were there were libertarian and liberal anti-establishment figures that were also getting hit by stuff. It, it, it hit more in the conservative ethos because of Trump, I think. But there were plenty of like left-wing figures that were also getting yeah, hit. By think Democracy
1: stuff. Now. Um, think think yeah. the folks that are kind of in that or- or orbit atmosphere. Yeah. So like those
2: people also got hit, and it it usually comes down to like the big issues that always seem to be. It was like warfare and like monetary policy and things like things of that
1: ilk, which privacy, are like the important like privacy, yep. like
2: probably the most important issues, warfare and money.
1: <laughs> right? things that no like, one wants to talk about, but it's the most important. And issue, the things that sure. obviously we're not
2: necessarily allowed to talk about. Cause they are the things that would get you hit.
1: Right. 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 It, especially at Twitter at that time. And so now it isn't that now you can go on Twitter and if you're a lefty, you're going to find lots of left wing content. And if you're a right winger, you're going to find right wing content. Twitter is a very different place than what it was back in 2016, 17, 18, 19. Even twenty twenty. Like Yeah. So it, it's a it's 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 worth getting on if you're not on. And it's something where, you know, as as the left uses like your answer to your question, Joe, as we take a very circuitous and non-direct <laughs> uh way of answering it. How to defend yourself against a lawsuit that's frivolous. Well, luckily for the most part, my experience of this law for, lawfare stuff is that to go after official people, like people who are actually like doing your sale apparel and your you're you know, you're a senator or someone running for president. That's much more likely than ever your average Joe. Now your average Joe can make a difference in this space, I think very specifically, in getting onto the public square and engaging publicly with what you think is true. That makes a huge difference, right? I mean, every like in that algorithm makes a freaking difference. If you get on and like and share the human reaction podcast, we're going to be able to go more viral than if you don't. So the entire thing is based upon engagement. So to the degree that you know, we're equipping folks with the mental models that allow them to fight the modern narrative and to be able to understand the world as it is rather than as the kind of interest groups at play want them to think of it, uh, there's you know, a tremendous opportunity in just that every raindrop makes a rainstorm well and
2: it's also uh funny some of the twitter stuff with um remember when elon did away with the verified badges for the people that just had verified badges oh because it was beautiful of whatever it, it was a beautiful thing that's great and watching all the tears form of like how normal people can now have verified badges and now they can like interact with them because because if you don't know if you're verified people have like a, a switch that you can have of to just turn off non-verified people so you can't even see them anymore so like what all that you would end up having you basically end up having all these journalists and all these things where they're basically just like in a circle just sharing each other's stuff and they're all just vibing off of each other and they just cut out all the normal people right and and now it became this thing where you could just pay the 8 bucks which i love the meme the 8 dollars right you can pay the 8 bucks and now you can actually participate in that conversation and they can't necessarily like they can block you but you, they can't really ignore you in the same way that they could before it's like you've people have like come in on their on their on their safe space mm-hmm. right and I, and i think there's a lot of that is like Twitter was a safe space for a lot of these people where they could cut out the normal, like the normal, the, the plebs, right? Mm-hmm. And now it's like, it's kind of like an, an app for everybody to use again. And what Elon's doing here is he's start he's going to be integrating it, all these new things into it, like where it's going to become... A payment system. It's going to become your Uber app. It's going to become all of this stuff over time, right. and that is actually very dangerous because it's going to be more and more people onto this platform that isn't necessarily going to be controlled anymore. Right.
1: Additionally, to that I like, I like the I like the content creator reward system, right? If you're paying in those eight dollars and it's going to the people that you consume their tweets and their content, that's a good thing, right? And there's a tremendous amount of people who are just now making no money despite having large Twitter followings who can now make a little cash, <laughs> well, which it, is much better system than the old one. Some of these people are making like ten grand a month off of it. Like it's, it's crazy money yeah so okay. like follow our human reaction so we
2: podcast. can so we too can make 10 grand a month off. Right. It. if
1: we could do that it would go a long ways in us making more content
0: i'll have you know that we made uh 75 cents on spotify this year so thanks everybody keep it up and follow at human reaction pc on twitter which is ironic because we're not pc at all but that's just they have this 15 character limit so i can't do human reaction pod so i have to abbreviate podcast PC. It's Elon, if you're watching, make it sixteen characters, man. Sixteen characters. That's all I'm asking. Elon, <laughs> if you're listening to this, we have a request. <laughs> <laughs> He's not. I mean, I do think all it's right, interesting. So the the common thread I mean amongst all these stories so far is is that there are powers that be using the apparatuses that exist, be they reputational or legal or otherwise, to suppress views that they don't agree with by attacking people by a thousand paper cuts, by All the ways that they do it. And so, you know, whatever it is that you can do to resist that stuff, it does make a difference, even if it's just a retweeter or or whatever it is, right?
1: It's no small thing to just know who the bad guys are, right? In in, In the real world of politics and how to sort out who the good guys and bad guys are. If you take the Southern Poverty Law Center as a good faith actor just trying to stop racism... Well, you quickly find that if you just say something vaguely right-wing, you just might wind up on a watch list mm-hmm. at the FBI because the SPLC said you are a bad guy. ADL looks like they've wound up in a very similar spot. So you know, just being aware of when someone says, "Oh, they're a bad guy," they're part of the Southern Property Law Center. Well, and it's it's
2: all, right? it's all magic words, right? Like racism, anti-Semitism, all these things, like. Is there real racism? Yes. Is there real anti-Semitism? Yes. And but it's it, terrible. But it is a but it is a word that you can use to just dogpile people. Right. And and it and it tells you not with the crowd. Like it's it's all part of what we were talking about last week of like there's these cults and you just nudge them into certain directions right? And that's something that Twitter was very effective at doing because it was very few people were getting amplified and they could nudge everything in, in particular directions. And now Elon, as Chamath was saying on the All In podcast, Elon has taken that away from them now. Mm. And, and they are freaking out and trying to figure out what to do here. And one of the things that they can do is to dogpile him with as much stuff as possible to try to bog down his mind space, mm. his, his mind economy, because <laughs> he's got a lot on his plate, right? Like right. He's, part of the most important companies pretty much uh, in, in the world right now. And he's managed somehow managing them all. Right.
1: Yeah. So like, one of the things is like, I feel like it might be wise to kind of dive into what is the, we, we kind of talk about antisemitism, racism. Why are they evil? Right. Why are they wrong? It isn't just because they're mean to be clear. It's a philosophical error. Right. And why is it a universal rather than a particular, right? Meaning that anyone who believes that their virtue comes from, their race, that that guy's a bad guy, and it's not just racism is power plus privilege sort of calculus. What is the actual defense of the classical vision of why racism is bad? No,
2: well, it it's actually kind of reminding me of our boy in the fan club, Vivek Ramaswamy. <laughs> he's been he's been uh, kind of all over the news in the past week, right now, because um, he's essentially getting. Uh, told that he can't have the views he has because of his skin color and then he's and then there was a senator that said this about him and uh he said that she's basically just just giving the talking points of the kkk um (laughs) (laughs) right who was that
1: uh some senator oh man i think it was holly no or what was it god yeah it was it was brutal it was a crazy moment um that was last week yeah Yeah. we had in our notes but he's been doing the media
2: tour of of msnbc cnn and all this stuff lecturing him about why would you say that and would you apologize and you know like all this stuff and he's like no (laughs)
1: like
2: that's what they're doing (laughs) that is the baller part they're saying i can't have certain opinions because of my skin color like that's what it that's exactly what it is right um I'll i'll find her name
1: so i want to be unequivocally clear unequivocally clear i actually should be clear when i say that Racism is wrong because what it says is that your virtue or your your moral character or what makes you great isn't your individual accomplishments. It's your background, your racial background, your genetics, your whatever, your culture, whatever those things are. Those ideas, that is despicable, not just because it's just gross in the history of it and all the things that go with those that are tertiary to it. The reason why the philosophy is wrong is because you— as an individual are the thing that acts and that's the insight that we get from our you know our core philosophy you act not you have moral character you have the ability to change the world through your action not not your ancestors your ancestors don't give you like you can appreciate western culture you can appreciate all the good things that have built the Western world and say, and be, you know, very clearly acknowledge all the good things that come from that without saying, that's what makes me great, right? Because what makes you great is what you contribute to the world. That's the difference between Martin Luther King and his vision saying that, you know, the, the, the dream here is one where people can actually be judged by their content of their character rather than on the color of their skin that vision is still alive. And there's a, there's a certain group who just want to shame it and pretend like it's not around. It is still around. And that's the average view of most Americans to this day is that what should matter is the content of your character, the quality of your ideas, not the color of your skin or the cultural background or any of those sorts of things. Who is he, who's he dogging on? Who's Vivek? Uh, dogging So, on?
2: so, uh, I just pulled this, I'm not going to pull up the video cause I don't want to subject the audience through this painful experience. Cause <laughs> I, I did watch the video. Um, so it was uh, Rep Ayana Presley that was uh-huh. the one that was saying that about this Vivek. And uh, he went on CNN and he was basically saying exactly what I just said now. And the uh, title of the video that CNN is running with now is uh, Vivek Ramaswamy Defends White Supremacy in the KKK.
1: Jeez. Right? <laughs> like, this is how the media works, right? That is so repulsive. <laughs> 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 My boy, Vivek. <laughs> it, yeah, and that's, that's this thing. When we talked about it last week, losing illusions, right? The, trying to get people to drop the illusions that inhibit them from seeing the world clearly. Right? So if you say what Vivek said, which is, hey, guys, maybe we could do— maybe if Iran invades Israel, I'm not going to commit American troops to defend Israel.
2: And then Tulsi—or not Tulsi Gabbard. (laughs) Um, Nikki Haley. Yeah. Yeah, That was a weird Freudian slip. Basically says that
1: that's the same as giving Israel to Iran. And now you have all these people saying that it's anti-Semitism and things like that. Right, which is just just not. It just Mm -hmm. says that, like, America's government's job is primarily to defend America. And secondarily to back our allies, which we've been doing on the tunes of billions of dollars annually for decades. And maybe, you know— mutual respect and admiration means allowing them to have their own foreign policy departing from ours i mean that's like that's like that that seems like a completely reasonable argument it shouldn't have to go to this place where he is the kkk for saying that it seems well, completely unreasonable to get to that place from there
2: george orwell warned about how we were falling into a tyranny of meaningless words and i think this is one of those situations where it, it, it sucks that racism and anti-Semitism and these things are used as these bludgeoning tools because it's essentially stripped out all meaning from those. So, like, when there are actual instances of that, now everybody will just be like, I mean, you call that anti-Semitic. You call that racist. You call that whatever or sexist or whatever. And so, like, these words don't actually mean anything anymore. And you have, and like, this is the blowback of overusing these words on things that really aren't Egregious or aren't
1: <laughs> aren't that at all, right? right? We kind of get desensitized um, to it because we're so many things that aren't that are accused. No, I, mean,
2: I mean, I mean, it was the same thing. Like I remember back in the day, Ben Shapiro called uh, Ron Paul anti-Semitic for wanting to go against the Fed because there's so many Jews there,
1: right? Like that. That was like, like <laughs> oh because it, because it was skeptical of banking. And yeah. There's like a so there's so like a stereotype so there, so what? So, what, so, yeah, so Ben Shapiro
2: yeah. would say, kind of in the early days of his career, he would yeah. talk about how. Libertarians are generally just anti-Semitic, and they mask it with anti-banking policy, like as, right?
1: as if there's no legitimate. And, and it was it was used as policy. a bludgeoning
2: tool against Ron Paul,
1: right, right, right,
2: because because end the Fed was his slogan, right. right? Like, it's, it's, this it's is the whole thing.
1: It's a leverage point, and that's those things of like trying to lose the illusion, so that those leverage points don't work on you, right. So that when someone says something that is stupid, like. Obviously, Vivek Ramaswamy is part of the KKK.
2: Yes, this this, uh, this Indian guy yeah. <laughs> is a part of the KKK, right? Or it was the same thing. Like, Larry Elder gets called, uh, the, he's, the, he's the black face of white supremacy, right? And he's right. Like, you have this black guy saying, like, he's this black conservative who's running for president, right? Like, he, he's not super high in the polls or anything. But the media will run stories saying that he's right. the black face of white supremacy.
1: And he just ran for governor of California, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah right. Right. right, and it obviously got a lot of hit jobs because he was a Republican running in that race. Yeah, and he's a, he's a Trump guy, right? Like that's <laughs>
2: adds more another layer to it. Must be a it must be a racist it must then, be. right? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. all these white supremacists stormed the Capitol on Jan. Six. Right? <laughs> like, like <that's laughs>
1: there might have been some that are. Laura Loomer, for example, came out with this story this week. Very speculative, very much based upon loose photographic evidence that basically says that the the uh, intelligence communities are pl- placed somebody from Ukraine into the Jan. Six riots, right? And people look at that and be like, maybe, right? Because we just our trust in these institutions are so absurdly low. We will ta- we, we are willing to believe almost anything at this point.
2: <laughs> that is kind of where I'm at. Where I'm like. I could believe it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know if it's true or not, but I'm like, sure, why not? Possibly. But I mean, nothing's not? outside the realm of,
1: <laughs> if, if the things that we've seen that have driven trust in these institutions solo for such a long time are obviously true and proven to be true, such as the Biden laptop story and things like that, then at that point, it really undermines the faith in the entire system. So the question, to play Joe's role because he's remote and having a hard time breaking into all of our talk. Sorry,
3: Joe.
0: I'm over here.
1: Joe. How do we rebuild faith in the institutions and stuff, man? Like, how do, how do we get out of this trap? Because it feels like a trap, ultimately. Everyone just says anything can be real. So how do you get outside of that trap?
0: It's an impossibly difficult question. Um, you know, I think you have to just really, you have to back away from things that are outside of your control to really like rebuild trust in things that you know are real things that exist that you can touch and feel and see for yourself and start there. And then, you know, work outward. And I mean, exercise control over layers outward in that way, such that, you know, you're, you're focusing on things in your local community and focusing on things at the state level and things that you can actually experience actionable change and create a little bit of momentum and create a little bit of, you know positivity around having accomplished something you know so much of which you know you were able to do at, you know in the local and state level in the last handful of years like that's really inspiring stuff and i think if people are feeling a little bit disillusioned by the national state of politics or the international state of foreign policy or whatever it is focus on what you can control focus on yourself focus on things that are that are local to you and that are going to make a more meaningful difference in your life and and that's probably a good place to start. It won't change the fact that those things that are further from us are harder to to affect, but you know, it it maybe will give you a little bit of momentum to build towards affecting some of those things at some point.
2: Well, and I I think, um, I think that's right on the local level, but also a white pill on the higher level is I think that we are actually seeing the trend line right now of, I think the way that you beat these corroded institutions is by building new institutions, and you essentially got to get, um, you have to out with the old aristocracy in with the new aristocracy, and I think we're watching that happen right now. I think that's what you're seeing with a lot of these new prominent figures that are starting to pop up, and I, and I, and I think that's what you're seeing with who Elon Musk is choosing to kind of be a kingmaker on his platform to kind of help guide them, or not not guide them, but help elevate people. Um, I think we're watching new aristocracy forming before our eyes and it's going to take some time, but we're going to see that right now. And then I also think on the just kind of areas that you can't control, but they're just happening naturally is the technology front right now is, you know, remember there was a point in time where there was five TV channels and they were and they were completely manipulating all of the news. Right. And now we have like podcasts like like you had. A lot of the accurate information that came out around uh, the COVID era was coming out of the world's largest podcast, Joe Rogan, because he was having like legit scientists on to come in and debate about these things. Right. Like we could see these we could see this and it was changing people's minds about how things were going in real time. Like all of these things seem chaotic right now, but we're watching the trends
1: move into a certain direction where we're moving into like a new era of things. Ryan. If you think of the moment as like an indeterminable moment, that we're right on the cliff of something terrible, then obviously everything looks terrible. If you think of the historical analogy for a moment as the Gutenberg press just came out, and the entire modern world is about to be created, right? A, a revolution in communication and people's ability to connect with one another is 20 years old. I'm talking about the internet, right? If you were to say that to any person any, anywhere in Europe when the Gutenberg Press came out, you would obviously get, these are only good things and no bad things are going to happen. And then it would be, it's only going to create religious wars. Because we had, we've had to fight religious wars after the Gutenberg Press came out for 150, almost 200 years. And then we said, hey, guess what, guys? Maybe we shouldn't fight religious wars anymore, and we created basically the soul of the British concept of religious tolerance. Well, and
2: it's very possible that we're in the religious wars right now. Yeah. it's just
1: they're not about like a deity; they're about
2: like ideals and things. Because right. in a lot of ways, cults. they're the same thing. They're cults, like <laughs> like we talked about last week, right? Like right. we are watching the religious wars play out right now. It just looks
1: different than they did a thousand years ago, and right? they're happening faster, yeah. right? And, it, and technology is accelerating everything, right? So it t- still so took a long time to get the word out about you know, an English translation of the Bible when it came out the first time, but Vivek can come out and say on one podcast and reach a quarter of the world's population. Mm-hmm. Right. Boom. Like right there and say one thing, Hey, we need a v- new vision for what it means to be American. Or, or look at, might say. look
2: at the, uh, you know, all this stuff is like the entire um, judicial system seems to be getting weaponized against Donald Trump and he could just go on Tucker Carlson's show and get I don't even know what, like, when we did the podcast, it was like 255 million people had viewed it. Like, who knows what it is now? It could be like half a billion. Who, right. like, I'm not even sure. But, like, we have that. And mm. that goes against, you know, if it was, if if a, if a scandal like this, like, think about, it actually makes me think about history in a different way, where I think about, like, um, who was the president with the Teapot Dome scandal? Um, oh, Taft. Harding. It was Harding. Harding, Harding. Yeah. right, right. You know, it's like, or or, you know, any of these types of scandals, and you're just like, how much of that was just this what's going on, but there was no podcasts and things like that to kind of give alter- alternative viewpoints right. on those? Like how much of history is actually just like this? And now we have like these mechanisms. In, in the same way, the Gutenberg press was like this, but now it's even bigger. Like we have like right. an even bigger Gutenberg press. Right? Take,
1: a, take a good example, like the sink in the Lusitania, right? And uh, World War I, right? World yeah. War One. we entered into World War I because a ship carrying a bunch of people blew up uh, due to a German U-boat that blew it up. Now, why did it blow up so dr- spectacularly? It was carrying munitions. Now, the, at the time, it was not known that it was carrying munitions. It was a very complicated story where a very small group of people basically said, hey, there's something suspicious going on here, but they couldn't get the word out because of those gatekeepers, right? So now we know it takes this amount of time to get the distance to be able to say, hey, this is a this is a skeptic's take on this question, and I can advance that, skeptic, that skeptic's take. But if you're that guy, if you're Seymour Hirsch, or you're somebody with maybe less you know, traditional press credentials, you can still, in this moment, that white pill is, is that truth can matter even more now than it has at any other time in human history, because your ability to articulate it and to say it clearly to a group of people and then have it go viral is even more powerful. So a uh, more recent example, just to keep hitting these examples, Maui fires. If the governor of Maui fires had the ambition to buy up all this land and to create some giant tenement and hotels to to do this over in Lahaina. It's going to be a lot harder to do that now. Why? Because we're connected. And a bunch of people said, hey, this could be a thing he's trying to do. I don't know, but maybe. And if we tolerate that and we say, hey, maybe, then we can actually look out for it and there can be political activism around that and prevent you know, the abuse that could be potential in something like a disaster like that fire.
2: Well, think of if there was five news channels and all of the news channels were saying that this is due to climate change and we need new climate funding for all these things, right? Like that's just what would happen. But now we have the internet. We have good reporting from people like Michael Schellenberger on the case talking about the electrical stuff. And then you also have like, it's becoming quite pervasive. Like more and more people are buying into the general, like this isn't really a Vivek Ramaswamy, you know, Talking like, like, point like this has been around for a while, right. but like the whole idea that the agenda around climate change is a hoax in order to create more authoritarian measures on things, like, more people are becoming more aware of that. Mm-hmm. And you know, if, if it was. 40 years ago, people would just be like, yeah, I guess climate change is, you know, like we got to put more funding here. Yeah. And, you know, it's clear, 40 years like, ago,
1: it was uh, global cooling was the big, was the big, well, fear exactly. It that
2: and time. it was much easier to manipulate the narratives and get the cults moving in certain directions. Now it's like, now all the cults are more decentralized and everybody's like having to you know it's 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 just a completely different story. Technology has changed the apparatus. It's it's you know we we both very much like Joe, I don't know if you've read this, um the individuals the, the sovereign individual as a book and the entire premise of that book is how technology has changed the logic of violence. Um, in how they manipulate things over time. So like the Gutenberg Press is an example, just like general, like the agricultural revolution, all this different history is like this, but like now we're moving into this digital age where the old apparatuses no longer work anymore. And there's going to be new things that get built that we're going to have to deal with, but like we're watching the downfall of the old and not the up with the new.
1: Yeah, because the returns from violence are lower now than they were before. Because if you want to use exploitation, to get someone who's doing something productive in the new economy, given the digital age, it's a lot harder because they can just go someplace else. In
2: the old nation state environment, you just put on the Espionage Act and you just imprison all those pesky anti-war uh, uh, protesters, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just very easy to do that. Now it's much more difficult to do that. Like you'll have stuff like that that kind of happen right now. Like Julian Assange is like a big example, you know, for, for his journalistic, you know, stuff. But uh, it's just like now everybody sees it. Like right. every, everybody can view these things happening, and it's much more difficult to do these things if you are the state.
1: Right. right. And it's dropped the veil, right? Which makes it less, it makes it more difficult to religiousify the state and what the apparatus of coercion, which is a good thing. And w- what we need to do is keep poking through that illusion to help people see the truth, which is that the government is not here to help you, it is here to exploit you. And only on accident does it sometimes wind up helping you
2: some sometimes the mafia has a good laundromat you know like that's that's how it works
1: and <laughs> and and if you and if you could point to a moment where you're saying well the government can do some things good that's that's fine the question is is how could we have done it voluntarily and without this this whole mechanism of coercion and violence and when we think about it like that, really quickly, we find ourselves at a position where we're saying there's all kinds of ways to do that if we think so, with the with the creativity and uh, and uh, energy required, because um, this has all been done. Like we can we can do this. We've done the work has been done. The question is just whether or not we have the political will to get there. We're waiting on you to talk, joke because we feel like we've been just.
2: Oh, talking is it my turn now? Time. Oh,
0: it's cool. so
1: weird because <laughs> you're remote, bro. I don't know what to tell you. No, it's
2: like we just see you like nodding your head, yeah, and yeah. we're like, "It's." <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm just over here smirking because I'm trying to figure out what joke I can make to shoehorn in the fact that uh, Barack Obama's over here having gay sex and smoking crack, and I just don't know how to do it.
1: Oh God! <laughs> All right, we got to get to it. This is this is the real. All right. I got to loosen up. There were, because, there were a lot of moments
0: in there. I could have done it if I was in the room, but I, I, I just, the lag, All it just. Right. No, no comedy in the lag. All
1: right. To be clear to the viewer, no one's actually seen this yet no, other like than the, the two the, minute thing. The
2: interview literally just drops like, as we started recording, yeah. so we haven't seen anything, yeah. which is why I'm kind of hesitant to talk about it.
1: Here's the debate question Should we or should Tucker Carlson platform this person, this man, who is making this accusation about Barack Obama? That's the question. And, and if he had physical evidence, where the hell has it been for the last? I don't know you, how you would have physical year.
2: evidence on this type of thing, though.
1: Right, right. Like, like that, that, That's the kind of the problem of the story as a
2: whole is like how would you actually have any physical evidence? Right. Well. Like, there would be no.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what's, your, what's that, Joe? <laughs> what's, what, Joe, do you have an idea about this? <laughs> yeah, I do, Kyle. Do you have an idea about this? <laughs> <laughs> does your idea
2: work for evidence like 20 years ago or <laughs> however long it's been
0: <laughs> how does one glean whether or not a sexual crime was committed there's dna evidence if you can where's the dna evidence after? well
2: it's, it's not a yeah. crime either like that is well, well he's, he it. just sure. means like sure.
1: there would be material evidence in a sexual crime exactly and in this case what we're talking about is like something sexual okay so there are two things one who cares Two, should we care? Uh, was, should we do the interview given the lack of physical evidence and so? And so I'll,
2: I'll preface: we had a bit of a debate before the before the show. Of I have a bit of a different opinion on this than Joe and J- Joe Joe and Dave. To s- say your guys' argument is a bit is kind of like, should we kind of stoop to the levels of the left in covering these types types of things because this is essentially what the left did with like Kavanaugh and you know stuff like that, right?
1: Well, and, and it's important, uh, like. If, if I was outraged by the Kavanaugh hearings, mm-hmm. right, because I saw so many people basically say, hey, we need to believe this woman, despite when I was watching her was thinking like, this is, this is a very disturbed person. And I feel really weird about us just letting this person lie on a national stage for a political purpose. And it, it, and it has a lot to do with the leading first, a political purpose of stopping the Republicans from nominating someone they don't want to the Supreme Court. And then working backwards from there to saying a sexual crime was committed. And this person's a sexual predator because Mm -hmm. of that. Because, and it's starting with that tribal identity and then working backwards to there was really, really gross. And what I worry about is it's that, but there was no crime. In this case, it's just the guy's gay. I, th- I think it's, you know, and it's like, who cares? I don't care. And then like, why would we see my,
2: my opinion is much more of a broader thing. Like this is just one anecdote one, there's been several of these cases that have come out over the years and they've it's just, been a rumor for a long time. Well, right? it, not just rumors. Like there's been several, several different people over the last like decade mm-hmm. <laughs> about this. Um, and actually more than a decade. Cause we're talking like this was originally back in like 2008 when he was originally running. Um, but I think that there's a broader thing about understanding and peeling back the facade of these politicians. Like a lot of Obama's backstory is like half truths and like a carefully crafted narrative around him. And when you start when you start putting in these instances of it seems like Barack Obama may have been sucking dicks for crack, <laughs> like that adds another layer to the illusions and dispelling the illusions about these people. I, clear, I have a little bit less. Um, I
0: think his dick was yeah? being sucked. I don't think he was actually doing the sucking but uh, go
2: on that seems weird like if he's one getting the crack (laughs) we haven't seen the interview (laughs) no we we haven't seen that yeah to be clear we haven't seen the interview
0: you think the former president of the united states is sucking dicks no no. Yeah. Okay, I will not yeah, go I, there. I, think he was. I won't.
1: <laughs> he wasn't at the time, to be clear. If you take this guy his word, he was. Um, was some
2: time look, ago.
0: we don't. We don't actually but, know. We're, we're just making jokes here. But but I do think that. it <laughs> is... But no,
2: I, I had a broader point there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Is go ahead. I I, th- I think that there starts to there becomes these added layers on a lot of these people that are kind of right. around this apparatus here. Of you have the uh, you have the. Um, the Hillary, like the Clinton stuff that went on. You have the Anthony Weiner sexting underage girls. Um, you have Uma Abedin, Hillary Clinton's right-hand person, covering up for that stuff. And you, and you have uh, all of these connections with the Jeffrey Epstein stuff, who's now uh, Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself, right? Like you have all these things and you start to look at this and you start to look at the facade that's been created around the apparatus around the state. And you, and you have to ask yourself, who are these people? Like, why is all this stuff going on? Like none of these are normal occurrences. And you have to just like look at it that way.
1: So I have two questions. Right. Although in Weiner's case, no pun intended, we had actual evidence. But he, right? he he here's, tweeted here's also the thing. His own nude picture.
2: <laughs> well, so there was actually <laughs> two instances, which is hilarious. Yeah, it he did was it running twice. he yeah. was he was running for something at one point and he yeah. accidentally tweeted a dick pic. Right. Yep. And then a, and then he, he was defamed and then he came back and start. and he came back. And I think this was just while they were working on it, he ran for something again. Yeah. Yeah, it was like governor and representative or something. I can't remember the the points there. But, and then it came out that he was sexting an underage girl. (laughs) So like you had these things, right? Right. But you also have a lot of these, you have a lot of these connections with Obama. Like there's a lot of weird people around the Obama apparatus as well, right? So you start to wonder Sure, like the Pizzagate stuff, like
1: Podesta and the weird stuff. He was emailing people. So like, and I
2: think all this stuff is fair game. And like there's a certain like, oh, should you do it? I don't know. I think, I think the, uh, like, should you stoop this low? I don't know. I thought I thought Obama stooped pretty low when he tried to placate the Saudis and killed off a million Yemenis, right? Like I don't really have any, like, I don't really care about these people. Right. <laughs> so like it sure. becomes this thing where like, does any of this really matter at the end of the day? Like, yeah, like I think I'm a, I'm okay with this. I think like, it's a victory
1: I mean? theory question. Is like, do you gain more adherence to a philosophy when you when you apply it to yourself and not just your opponents? Right. So if you say that In my philosophy, we don't vet dirty laundry unless there's a high standard of evidence. This isn't even dirty laundry. This is that he lied to the public about him being straight, which I don't think I care about. But even then, even then, if it was something as bad as Kavanaugh, I would want it to be on the standard of evidence that would that i would be able to endorse when it doesn't seem like it's
2: on it's on the standard of the accusations against kavanaugh
1: right right, right that's anyway. that's the other thing Because like so, the kavanaugh stuff was
2: like there was like gang graping that was going on at college parties right right right. right. orally <laughs> uh, trains being
1: run before yeah trains like were it was running. like yeah. a whole thing right <sighs> um yeah so i i I, <laughs> I we have been demonetized by now uh the, we're just talking
0: about trains yeah just. <laughs> over here i got to, two to questions t- yeah.
1: <laughs> go,
2: go ahead okay
0: okay so if it's real whether whether it's real or not it doesn't actually matter preface uh,
2: again we have not seen the interview <laughs> That's right important
0: right and, and i think there's there's significance there because we do want to take the time to get to watch it and to allow additional coverage and evidence to come out so that we can actually comment on it with some basis in something substantial versus just hearsay or whatever um but two questions one if it's real or not what is the significance of the timing of this story coming to light now and why would why would tucker bring this particular story given sort of the 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 brand that he's been building the magnitude of of what it is that he has been covering the people he's been talking to the importance the sort of gravitas this seems very salacious and very like jerry springer where he was he was angling for something very different from a brand perspective before. What are you guys thoughts on, on that? What's the signif- significance um, of the timing and why would he bring this story?
2: One, one he said, he, he said in previous interviews, why he's interested in this story. Like this, this hasn't, hasn't just come as a surprise. He's kind of talked about this a little bit, uh, like weeks ago, um, on some other interview where, uh, he found it very interesting when these stories came up on how, on how the media and the DC elite treated it and how they just pushed everything under the rug. Um, and I think there is a bit of a whataboutism because like any of the stuff that would have happened about anybody else, it would be all over the place, right? So like, and and that's where I think Tucker is interested in the hypocrisy of it here of why can't you talk about this, but you can talk about these, right? I, I think that's part of the rationale in Tucker's head. Um, <laughs> I think the other thing is, I, I think where where some conservative people would probably say is, I, I think there's a lot of people that think Michelle Obama is actually going to run and it's not going to be Biden, and I think that this is the beginning of uh, of the attacks on her to try to get, keep her out of the race because one of the things, just looking at a purely cynical view of Paul of the political landscape, the African American vote is moving more and more to the right. Every year, it's climbing more and more on the conservatives, and you got to pull that back. And there might be some of that, and there might be a lot of. Um, considerations that are happening within the Obama family right now of I don't want I don't think Michelle actually wants to win but I think a lot of people around her want her or I don't think she wants to run but I think a lot of people want her to run around her right and I think that they there was a, there was this there's this Obama legacy that exists of how he was scandal free there was no scandals there was no kill list there was no gun running to Mexico there was no Benghazi there was no any of these you know all of these dozens of scandals that happened under the Obama administration according to public parlance right but uh, if she were to actually run all of those things would kind of be brought out now and and it would kind of ruin and damage the obama legacy i think that these are kind of a lot of the variables at play right now with this
0: david what you? i'm thoughts?
2: not saying she will run <laughs> i think yeah. that there's i think that there's people people in the democratic establishment that are trying to push her to right now
1: no i actually thought um it was it was very possible she would come out in 2020 uh 20 and run to be honest mm-hmm. like i thought i thought um, because I think Michelle Obama would be a very powerful political force um for lots of reasons, but the I'm reminded of do you remember scooter libby
2: I, I remember the entire the name. affair I remember during
1: the Bush administration and it had to do with some potential homosexual behavior and all that kind of stuff was all wrapped up in oh is this the, the pastor revelation no, 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 this is a high ranking bush official. That got wrapped into some stuff and it's it's a long story and I don't want to get into it. But but, but also in the
2: Bush administration there was a whole thing about a pastor that was super anti gay and he was having like gay orgies. Wasn't, yeah, was, wasn't that a thing? Uh, screw <laughs> the like there was a there was
1: a foot rubbing going on at some point. Hey, am in I the wrong about this? I'm stall. pretty sure that was a thing. <laughs> I don't think that was a a little over the shark for what I'm talking about. I, but I don't want to Google this. <laughs> I don't. <yeah. laughs>
0: At this point, this has gone from a a respectable edition of human reaction to the after dark edition. We're just very, humans very, very reacting. To things, we're
1: just though. we're just reacting, man. I, I don't know. I I so the anyways. What I remember is, and part of this is is it gets all wrapped up into the CIA and revelation of a particular intelligence asset and all this kind of stuff. One of the best things was like, look. If some guy has some particular picadillos from his public persona, it used to be back in the day that there was a certain amount of respect that someone's private life was their private life, right? And so if you're on the internet and you're like, look, you believe thoroughly that Michelle Obama is a man and Barack Obama is uh, gay. Michael Obama. I don't care. I just don't. I don't care. I mean, it, you could say there's a news story here, and and if you're a press reporter, you know, if you have actually evidence, then run that news story. Okay, that's that might be a case, but whether or not we as a as a people should care is a different sort of question, right? There's a news story there that says, oh, well, he was opposed to gay marriage while actually being gay himself. All that speculation brings some evidence, for God's sakes, because the 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 speculation doesn't make anything better. In fact, it just makes things uh, many many things worse and and if you're and if you're saying oh well we we should be able to talk about it. yeah i'm not saying we should shut down anyone's voice in this space but i do think that we need to have some like look you know people have <laughs> michelle obama being who she is if you're sitting there and you're and you're like you've leaped to this conclusion without evidence then you're just not you're not doing yourself any favor you're not going to gain adherence. you're going to make things worse and you're just going to actually rather than making anything better are you making things better are you with this whole case? I, it isn't clear to me that you are. Um, I will say I was right about the Bush's pastor thing. Yeah, but does that have to do... Is that Scooter Libby? Scooter no, or it, no, it's a, di- it's a different story. Oh, okay. I was, <laughs> <But, saying like, laughs> I was, I
2: was kind of like, I believe that's a thing. And all yeah. oh, you guys looked at me, I was like, no, that, that happened. <laughs> oh,
1: okay. Well, <laughs> but, I'm sure there's some pastor somewhere that um, has that. I think Go ahead, well, no, Joe. I could say that you wanted to here. jump in there, buddy.
0: Yeah, no worries. I, I think that, uh, you know, just pertaining to this whole conversation, it's not if someone should be platformed to talk about a given subject. Of course, you know, the internet is is our town square, and, and anybody has any right to talk about anything from their personal experience, however substantiated or not. So this guy that Tucker was interviewing, let him air his story, and the internet will assuredly do its job and figure out if it's real or not. It's not if he should be platformed it's it's how the topic should be discussed and i think that we're doing a pretty good job of covering it now jokes aside of not just jumping to okay and because this has been aired on a platform with with credibility depending on who you are you believe it's credible or not credible because we think that this has been aired on a platform that that has credibility it's of course has to be true of course that's not how we feel and we're, we're discussing it from a position of skepticism and, uh, and being careful to, you know, place our opinions on the back burner until more evidence comes forward to substantiate this. And I'm, I'm sure it, it will come forward that it's either substantial or not substantial. But to take mm-hmm. a, a different approach to it, one that I tend to embody on this show, if this story coming out right now is a distraction, from something else happening, what do you to think it might be a distraction from
2: you 're always on the distraction thing I like, like that about you Joe yeah
0: hey somebody 's got to um, do it somebody 's got to do it
2: one thing before before we say that right there, I, I will say i don 't like this is the problem with a lot of these cases here, or it 's not even a case like a lot of these instances is like. You know, there's kind of like bring the evidence, but I don't know how you bring the evidence for or against any of it. Like it's not, it's just not even possible. Like well, right. This is a he day, said, at the end of the day, it's just going thing. to be seizing the memes of production right here. And
1: it's just going to be whatever the memes say. <laughs> the like, that's the memes memes that's, that is just going to be. <laughs> so, it, it okay. Is. So let me draw a quick analogy. Um, the ADL says anti-Jewish, anti-Semitism actions of violence are on a 40 year high. Right. And people go like, what's your evidence? And they don't care. Because the people who support the ADL and left-wing causes, they have already accepted that that must be true. We elected Donald Trump as president. We don't need any more evidence. That silliness, right? (laughs) Yeah, his daughter literally became Jewish. (laughs) (laughs) You don't need facts when you live in this world that we live in right now. The question is how you get out of the current trap we're in, right? Which seems to me to be to build institutions that you can trust through careful articulation of truth. The way you redeem any relationship is to be able to carefully say what you think is true to start with, right? So it seems to me that a lot of people are taking this as a jaded ability to just dog the Obamas and make a political game out of this accusation from this person who may or may not be legit. I'm open to that. Um, But it isn't clear to me that, 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 that it's going to build a place of mutual trust and like a high standard of what is true if what we do is just continue to play the existing game it seems degenerative
0: to me well but so hold on though. if it just hold becomes on,
1: what the memes say you, we're, in a, just we're said, in a
0: trap we're just stuck you just said that there's value to someone coming out and saying what they think is true how can you say that this guy who's tucker tucker is interviewing is not coming out and saying what he thinks is true
1: right right so i'm, I'm and at that point if you're going to if you're Tucker and your and your job is to try to build the largest audience you can and improve american dialogue in the process hopefully and that's why i thought his he said he, his mission was then you i would be asking what is do you have material evidence otherwise i think you're not the person that i want to bring on the podcast and talk
2: about well it. it's it's very it's very possible with this interview again none of us have seen it it's yeah. very possible that it ends up being tucker being like you know, so what will happen? And in a lot of ways, it is just kind of like you be the judge for
1: yourself, right? <laughs> like right. it could be that, right? Um, but there's like a there's like a there's a grossness to that, isn't there? Am I alone in that? There's like a there's like the spectacle that we're David. I completely out of agree with
0: you that I don't think it's anybody's business what somebody's private life is all about, and until you know this becomes a matter of uh national security or or legal implication or criminal implication that something to do with this affected uh president obama's ability to govern a nation or you know created some sort of criminal enterprise around it like i I don't i don't personally care either and i think we've probably dedicated more airtime to it than any of us what what if
2: obama what if obama was doing crack on the white house that would probably judge the way that he was leading the country right like what if these types of like we we just saw we just found cocaine in the white house during the in the Biden administration right you know like like i i think if if we're supposed to play this game like the 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 country's supposed to exist and we're supposed to respect the state and all this stuff like you're going to want the most respectable leaders and if you end up having um all this stuff that's happening behind the scenes and the public's
1: not knowing about that like That's a problem, right? (laughs) Like I said earlier, it is—it is a way to talk about to say, hey, if this is true, blah 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 blah, right? Mm -hmm. If it is true that, you know. The cocaine, great example. We know there was cocaine in the White House. We know that way more than we know that Barack Obama was a gay man in 20 years ago. There's, there's a lot of people that have come out on yeah, Obama but so stuff. <laughs> y- 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 <laughs> also many
2: and the crack stuff. Like actually, I think the more important thing about this is the crack stuff. Right. There's so, a, there's a and Obama himself admitted to his crack habits in, when he was in high school. He, he talked about it, he talked about it in his book. Right. Right. Yeah,
1: that he like, smoked well marijuana. I'm not. Was crack was I mean, part of it. I've read sure. his book. I don't remember him saying crack cocaine was something pretty that he sure. tried. Sure. Yeah, I don't remember hearing about it, it that might it, might, it might
2: have been. There was a lot of stuff around that time. It might have been his high school friends that talked about that because yeah. like his high school friends were interviewed and stuff. Right. And they would talk about him at parties and stuff like that with crack. The um, point being that, be that thinking of.
1: if you support the war on drugs and while simultaneously abusing hard drugs and applying those rules to the poor people who they are subjected to while yourself being not subject to those rules, that's evil. Totally and that's, okay and, and that's that.
2: why I think any of this is fair game.
1: To the degree that the an accusation president. should be based upon evidence rather than speculation. But
2: this seems to me to be part of the truth-seeking process, is you're going to have a lot of things that are thrown at the wall. This is how legal stuff happens, too. Like, mm. this is how court cases happen. Is like a lot of stuff just gets thrown at the wall, and then you start to see what sticks. Like, that, that's that's what ends up—that's how these processes yeah, work. So, so,
1: so let me right. give, let's draw a parallel here. So the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, right? We have an accusation by a respected reporter who's— Double confirm things, but can't reveal all the ways in which he double confirmed things because of that. His background is what lends him the credibility for when he says, no, trust me, I talked to the CIA about this and X, right? This guy has no background. Tucker Carlson isn't claiming to have that background. He's not claiming that he double confirmed it and can't reveal sources. Right? So no one in this circumstance. I don't know how you
2: would double confirm it. Exactly. No one in this
1: circumstance is doing the work. That way we can reliably say, here's what actually, in fact, happened. Mm-hmm. And so when you're engaged in that space, you are you're, you're doubling down on the thing that is making things so awful, rather than saying, no, that party, those groups, they have no standard for truth, and I do, and I'm different, and that's why you should be with my group. The group that wants a society where the standard is of evidence for accu- for accusing somebody is high, where we don't make... Your life into a a trial on low evidence, right? I mean that, and that's just and that's someone
0: bringing their story forward doesn't mean that we are condemning Obama to to this reality that, that we're saying this is absolutely true. It's just saying, oh, this is just someone telling their story, and then now the internet and and the world gets to vet that information and des- determine is it true, right? That's yeah, where we're my, at. Right my, now. Problem, very my problem, my problem with the a lot of. Bu-
2: my, my problem with a lot of it is that there's kind of this automatic assumption that it must just be kind of be bogus. Like, and I don't like the automatic assumption that is kind of being placed on this right now from you guys. Like That's actually sure. kind of what, where, where I'm kind of like, I feel like there's a certain bias towards a certain moral framework that you guys kind of have it, that are that in your pre, pre-describing things or pre-prescribing things on it. And that things
1: are what they appear to be. Yeah, and
2: it's just like like we don't know that. Like we don't know if any like like I very this Larry Sinclair fellow, he he could be completely untrustworthy and he very well could be. Like I again, I haven't seen the interview. Right. Right. right, right. <laughs> right? But like he could also be bringing stuff forward and he's actually just telling a story and they could be legit or they could be half truths or whatever. And a lot of this is just going to be like the court of public opinion's really cuz there's, there's no legal stuff here, so like the legality of things doesn't matter. Right. So like, it's going to end up being a court of public opinion about the about this, right? And that's
1: why I think Joe's um, right in saying like like, what is the distraction here because it feels like it feels like such a waste of time in in some senses but beyond that the I mean, guys we're but, sitting, but we're, here's si- the thing. we're sitting it, here on the verge of nuclear war and we're like oh man was a guy who's no longer president? Was he gay the whole time? Was that? that that's but, our but, big question. But Obama
2: still has a lot of power and sway right now. So like sure. that is important. It is important yeah. to look at the past on your presidents and to break down the facades about them. And I think some of these things are that. Well, like 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 right? uh... like, well, like one of the biggest problems I have with Obama is the illusion that people have about him is that he was like this perfect president that had no that had no controversy around him sure. or, or any of the Absolutely stuff false. right. Yeah. Like and this, it's entirely false. Like like anything that's like another nugget of breaking down that facade, I think, is great. Right. And, yes. and it's like, but we, if it's this false, may, you don't think it's good. No, but like we don't know if it's false yet or right. not. So we we, like, we can't this is know part of the searching process. And we right? can't
1: know. And then additionally that how credible is this guy? Now, if you look at the reporting around this guy and what he said, he has multiple aliases, multiple mm-hmm. con- convictions, multiple like scam artistry type stuff. So if he thought I can get famous by saying something outrageous to Tucker Carlson and then a bunch of people believe it. What you've done is you've condemned a bunch of people to believing potentially, and, and I'm not saying that's that- actually that's actually
2: probably the most important point is like this guy does have a bad background, right? Yes. Like, but th- yes. there there is also all, all these other points of like other people in his life, and it'd be more interesting to probably hear from them because mm. <laughs> like like Barack Obama's brother says that there's a lot of facades about oh, Barack Obama sure. too, right? Like like th- those those things are probably oh, man, more it, important. do wrong, Larry like Larry so- Sinclair, like this Larry Sinclair fellow is probably probably <laughs> frankly he might've been high on drugs and thought he was with Obama. Right? Yeah, right, like, right. Like there could be that too. I'm not, I'm not saying that's well, not the case.
1: Literally a circumstance where if I understand his testimony and he's been saying it since I remember like 2008 was that this was an interaction that he had one night and at a repeat forever ago, like, you know, before 2000. So well, this
0: is the first true, time this story has come forward. Right. The story has come out. But it, no, but it was
2: completely, it was, a, it was completely blockaded. I've by the seen it on the internet before. Like this is not the first time I've seen this yeah. cat. Yeah. It came out in the 2008 election. I, I right. remember it because it was like right as I was becoming aware of politics because yeah. I was 13. At the time. I don't but I disagree I with then, David I mean,
0: here. I don't disagree with David really quick that, that if there are to be criticisms levied towards Obama, they should be about things that can be verified and, and shown to be true. Like, his foreign policy crimes and all the things that, that occurred around that stuff and not about his personal life. And and I you know, I don't disagree with you Kyle though about the fact that I do think that there is a mystique around this guy that is probably it's inappropriately you know clean and and people have this view of him that as some sort of like shining knight that he is not. But I do think that that stuff should be focused on the stuff like the kill list.
1: Yes. Yeah, right, right. If it's between if you have to choose between your biggest Obama scandal, it was you know, raised by a Marxist, right? Scandal, right? I mean, like if Bill Ayers, a freaking domestic an actual domestic terrorist, yeah, like, you know, like who like actually killed bombings, cops. Like planned bombing yeah, something like that. Right. W- weather underground is. Helped launch his campaign and his, his candidacy uh, or killist. Right. Or a million dead Yemenis, or, or <laughs> prosecuting, like, or prosecuting, shutting down many businesses in Montana for marijuana distribution.
2: The IRS scandal of targeting the Tea Party.
1: While well, simultaneously being a marijuana user, user when he was a young man. I right. mean, those hypocrisies are real and documented and known, right? So, like running guns to, me- to the cartels in Mexico, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like,
3: creating ISIS, going. you know, like,
1: <laughs> many, <laughs> like many such things.
2: So,
0: so perhaps, uh, the, perhaps this story coming forward is a psyop by Tucker. To get us to talk about all the other reasons why Barack Obama is actually—I eh,
1: don't think that's what's happening. I think that's happened on this podcast, but nowhere else. <laughs> no, like,
0: I, I, well, that's I why will, people I should listen continue. to this podcast. Okay, <laughs> I, I will continue
2: on the train. Is like there is some weird stuff that goes on behind the scenes in these circles, and we saw it with the um, the Clintons, the Wieners, the
1: <laughs> every time I
2: can't help it. I'm sorry. <laughs> His last name is Wiener. Yeah, I know. His name I know. Is Anthony Wiener. Um, and we and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, David. The you're guy's name. The guy's child. name is hilarious. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I would and, have changed it. De- de- I would have changed. Yeah, this he, right. me. He, he sent a wiener pick on on Twitter by accident. Right. Did, I mean,
1: like it. imagine for a moment, your name's Bathsheba, and your most famous thing that would go throughout all of history is taking a bath in public, that gets seen by King David, and therefore the fall of <laughs> that whole dynasty.
0: If there's not, and then you're better. You're, at proof. the same
1: time, you're a guy named born Anthony Wiener. And <laughs> so, sometimes the simulation is just it's, mwah, it's exactly oh God.
2: Anyways, you're going Kyle if I'm there's sorry, better I, proof I
0: that, that, that we live in a simulation show it to me
2: oh Anthony Weiner is like if there's anything it's Anthony Weiner that tells me that the evidence right there um but no but like in the Jeffrey Epstein stuff like like I listened to um the uh Eric Weinstein interview with uh Chris Williamson that was it was really good uh over the last few uh, a few days ago it came out and uh he's somebody that had personally met eric weinstein because he was doing all the stuff with like harvard academics and he was talking about how we kind of uncovered the the big picture about the jeffrey epstein story is not that we it's not that jeffrey epstein like like he was a construct he 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 was he was kind of built and he was created it's that we uncovered a system that was in place and that couldn't stand the scrutiny of the internet like it was uh there was this uh thing like some sort of an intelligence intelligence operation that was created before the internet and then the internet came around and it like uncovered things because people could see it now. And I think that's kind of what could be happening in these areas. Like like I said, like it's, it's not Obama, but like the Wiener stuff is weird. Yeah. <laughs> like the Clinton stuff is weird. Like I've talked to a secret service guy who, who said that they had to clear out brothels before Clinton would come places because oh. he would sneak away. Don right. Like,
1: like it's weird. Put Gino or whatever that guy is very famous. Talk radio guy nowadays. Dan, Dan Bongino, I mean, he's, he, he says the same thing. Yeah yeah, Dan, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he says very similar stories about Clinton and all that kind of stuff. And that, that's the idea that JFK was a, a poon hound. Well, right? well and, here, and it's here, not surprising <laughs> to anyone nowadays. It would have been surprising at the time, well, right? It's, because it's of a, the facade, though. and we break the facade over that time. Sure, absolutely. I don't care. But I don't no, but, care but, that but it, here, here's
2: an important thing, though. Too is like you're you're asking like, why does this matter for the ruling elite? Yeah. J. Edgar Hoover went to. JFK's brother and said that we have all this stuff on your brother as blackmail. Right? Like, right. that's important. Right. And, and does that affect the way that you govern the country of the biggest country in the world? But, but once again, like, <laughs> intelligence
1: agency reform is... Is its own issue, right? So don't be wrong. Like if they can do that, that's terrifying and bad, and we should change the intelligence agency's ability to do that, right? To spy on domestics, to be able to exercise soft power or presidents. If those are true things, then those are those are opportunities for reform. But that would that. But once again, we don't want to empower somebody to say outrageous things in public to somebody about somebody without evidence, mm-hmm. right? There's a tremendous difference between we have evidence that the FBI suppressed the Biden laptop as opposed to this guy's accusations or you know any other accusations to any other public figure that's just out of the blue and without evidence
2: I'm mainly just saying that I have, like, higher scrutiny for these people that are going into these positions. And um, if there's things that should give you pause, like, everything's on the table. Sure. Like, because, sure. like, 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 if this yeah. type of stuff was going for, like, you know, and it became this big, like, weird campaign for someone that was, like, trying to just get, like, a normal job that wasn't within the government, I'd probably, right. I'd probably be having the same attitude as you. Right. But I think kind of, like, everything's on the table when we're talking about... Uh, like psychological warfare for the largest for the control of the largest military apparatus that's ever been known in human history. Like I think that there's a different standard that exists here, <laughs> right?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that everyone should just believe whatever the mainstream press tells them to. Obviously, what I'm saying is that there's some place between the completely illusion based believe what the experts tell you, and I'm going to swallow the entire red pill bottle. And believe anything the internet says. Like there's some place between these two things. And what I worry about is, like, while well, Tucker's done a great job about bringing light to very important issues, like having Colonel Douglas McGregor and other very important figures on to tell the truth about very important things, this sort of thing is watering down his message, as what Joe was saying, and maybe engaging some like tabloid journalism type thing that undermines all the other good things he's done. And that is the that is the concern that he bears to his audience that we can, that I'm just commenting on but is, is 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 to me a much bigger story than the obama whether or not obama's gay personally Joe, I know he had something. and like a crack fiend. Like that's also another ad. Like yes, p-
2: people keep trying to say that's just about the the gayness.
1: There's also the crack. Yeah, me, I mean, to be clear, history. I don't care if he likes crack either. I just would wish that he was consistent about I, it. And he advocated for for, I, I would, for not putting people in prison for it when he himself is doing it. I would
2: it. prefer Obama, or like or any president, really not being on crack. Oh no, if he's not on
1: crack, he's on amphetamines. Come on. No.
2: Well, like, I think most presidents are probably on amphetamines. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a whole nother problem. <laughs>
1: that's because. The uh, what was the stats on like uh, graduate students on amphetamines? It was an enormous mm, amount of it's, use. It's insane. It was crazy. Right. So like the idea that like no one in high elite areas were doing amphetamines in I order say, to stay weight. All, all of DC and New York is just all it's all It's it all it is. Cocaine and, and, <laughs> or, and cocaine. Party drugs that are popular in those yeah. areas, right? The, and it, what's, what's shocking is, is the hypocrisy of that. And that's and that should be the bigger focus if we had evidence he was actually doing it.
0: We've exhausted David, this, David. I think that you're. I think that you're right. There's a place between uh, buying the state narrative and completely opposing it. And I think that we are doing a really good job of walking that line. And I look forward to there being more evidence for us to talk about next week, because I think that we have done what we can do to to look at the different angles here. And I think that you know, there's something here to be discussed, and, there, and there's a lot that people should be caring about. Uh, Whether or not that is uh, the sexual proclivities of a former president or not is for other people to decide. But for now, uh, I think it's time for us to sign off. Uh, It's been a really interesting and and fun show, and I appreciate you guys bearing with me being out of town. Thanks for uh, letting me chime in once in a while amidst your frenzied conversation, which I loved listening to. And for those of you listening at home, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we will be n- back next week. I will be back in the studio with Kyle and David. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Please do like, follow, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, on YouTube, Spotify, et cetera. And uh, thank you so much for watching. We'll see you in the next one. Thanks for tuning in to Human Reaction. Help us fight internet censorship by liking, commenting, subscribing, following, and sharing the show with your friends. To find us around the internet, visit linktree.com slash human reaction pod.